Wade. Siggy. You know, for these You Award It Wrong episodes where we go over the the movies that we watched last year and we p- make our picks for the top categories, the top categories as the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences designates them, the categories that we think they should add. And I'm we have familiar. this nice conversation and it goes on for hours and hours. Often episodes and episodes. Sometimes. We'll try not to do that this week, this year. I'm I'm in a little bit of a mental funk. Hmm. I try to write a, a, a nice essay where I weave in references to all of the Best Picture nominees from the Oscars. I try to I try to make it like kind of an energy ramp up, a little add mm-hmm. a little audio version of the pageantry of of the red carpet and the big introduction and everything. And I just I couldn't do it this year. I had a block, mm. and I had a real hard time making my picks in these categories because I've, I've realized I've done something to myself, and that is when I'm watching movies and then rating them and as I log them in Letterboxd and as I, at uh-huh. the end of the year, try to pick my top ten – I'm not – what I'm doing is I'm coming up with the things I didn't like about them as reasons for why they're not number one or reasons why they didn't mm. get five stars. And I found myself on Sunday because I wanted to have it all locked before the Oscars so I wasn't influenced. I found myself in a real negative mindset and mostly thinking about what I didn't like about my favorite movies of the year. <laughs> wow, you know, I, 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 I can understand that feeling, yeah. And I bummed myself out. Oh, <laughs> so, um, I, so I, I got to get out of the stinking thinking. So my resolution for awards year twenty twenty three, so that when we do, you awarded it wrong for twenty twenty three. What I want to do is see my picture as a barometer for how much I loved the movies. And it's what I tried to do in my final order, but I don't. I don't feel confident I got there. I think there's still a lot of stinking thinking in my in my picks, and I can talk mm. about them when we, if the occasion arises. But that's where I am. I saw. I went out and saw more movies this past year than I had in many years before I had kids. Uh, I think you know. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up seeing 39, uh, 20, wow. 2022 releases, which is a pretty good mark for me. That's the most since yeah. we started this podcast. Um, He's putting in the work, folks. Pinocchio would have been 40, but I was too tired. I was just too exhausted uh, on Sunday. And I, I wanted to I, I, that was the one I was. That was the one I was thinking about watching, too. And I was the same thing. I was like, I can't watch anymore. Yeah. For yeah. consideration. I'm done. But... Um, but that's Plus, I, you know, Tom Hanks is uh, in Pinocchio. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, the lovely Seymour uh, Lamar got me uh, as a Christmas gift, a, a membership to my local my local independent theater so I can go see free screenings on Tuesdays. I'm like, I'll go see any old shit if it's free, you know. 
And so I've, I, when it comes to my theater going, I have like this new enthusiasm. And then when it comes to my rating, Enthusiasms. it's, it's all negative. And I'm like, this is, I'm out of alignment here. Mm. And I just gotta, I just need to document how much I enjoyed watching the movie and thinking about it afterwards. And sometimes thinking about it afterwards, you think about maybe what wasn't so great about it, but I want to focus on the positive, but I, I don't know if that's what I'm doing in this episode. So, well, Siggy, my friend, I, I am here to help you because I have the exact opposite problem oh, this year. Oh, okay. I am so sad that 30 to 35 of these movies aren't in the top five of them. <laughs> well, that's not a new so, problem for you. That's not a new problem, no. but at least I'm like... It's like it's 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 been very like I, I've had movies that were in I've been keeping a rank all year, and when I keep watching them go further and further down the list because I'm seeing new movies that are blowing me away, I get really sad when they pass that top ten because I'm like, oh, I really wanted you in the top ten because I love that movie. Lots of love for the movies this year, um, and and the people who uh, are in it. So I'll, I'll hopefully I can I can steer you right, but I know you exactly what you feel. I, I remember. When I saw Hot Fuzz in the theater, I loved it, but I came out of it and all I could think about was the one thing that bothered me, mm-hmm. was the one thing that mm-hmm. like I thought was a mistake and I just couldn't, because the only thing there was to talk about, otherwise it was like, it's just great, it's amazing, it's, it's fantastic, but like yeah. because of that one thing just kept me, and I, I kind of have a movie like that this year as well. And we'll get into that okay. too. But it was, like that, it was like that one thing that just kind of really just didn't. And, and for Hot Fuzz, it was the fact that he was the whole conceit is that he's parroting '80s American action movies, but he's got such gruesome deaths in it that aren't part of that genre. But he's really also parroting the Hammer horror movies of that of uh, you know thing. But I'm like, mm, yeah. but the joke is that it's Bad Boys and Point Break and. They didn't have gr- gruesome deaths for victims. They only had, you know, for bad guys, maybe. For, like, the big head gad guy, he might have one gory death, and that's it. But the rest of it was all parroting Hammer. And I'm like, that those don't that didn't seem to go together. But that's all I could think about mm-hmm. instead of how much I really enjoyed that movie. So I completely understand. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for that. Well, what we're going to do is, speaking of negative... Um, we're not going to do what we did last year, and you awarded it, you awarded it wrong for 2021, where uh, me, being structure-obsessed, tried to impose don't, more order. Don't do that to yourself. And we did, have a, we did agree on trying to make our episodes shorter, and so in an attempt to, to truncate, <laughs> you know, we've had, we've had versions of this that went like eight hours. Yeah. Um, so I imposed a format which was terrible. I it, I hated it while we were doing it. I I realized I, what a f- mistake it was. Um, and so we're I not going to do I that. Think, we're not going to do that. I again. think there was nothing wrong with your format. I think it didn't take into consideration the fact that it's me participating, well, and then <laughs> that makes it a bad format <laughs> because we are partners in this. Um, but I also think it was just kind of really dry and boring. Um, uh, I, I think it was a I think it was a bad format and particularly ill suited to to our chemistry. So so we're throwing that out. We're not doing that. Um, we're going to go more of like a traditional category by category format. Wait, I let you pick the order. I would like you to be in the driver's seat 
Okay. And uh, and and get us started. All right. Now we are taping this the day after the uh, uh, Academy Awards ceremony. Yes, March thirteenth, um, Much to, much to uh, my delight, they put back in the technical categories that they had thought no one wanted to hear. Yeah. Uh, in, in the broadcast, and um, I was very happy to see that um, we have taken out some categories. <laughs> Um, that we, maybe I'll, you know, I mean, we've done them in episodes past. These are we think we these have. are important ways to measure the movie year and remember them. Right, right. And so we basically have have truncated them just for uh, discussability and brevity. So um, uh, for your time, <laughs> as a matter of fact. So um, uh, so we will be doing fifteen categories, a few of which are our own. That we think should be considered in future award ceremonies. If you're saying and things so twice, to thinking here. I'm going to go back and edit out the first time, I'm not. This is getting this is getting no edits. To put, oh, putting okay. heads and tails, and I'm shipping and it because I got other things I got to <laughs> okay, do this week. Getting it wrong, getting it wrong, folks. All right. So why don't we just dive right on in? Do you want to say any words about the uh, ceremony itself from last night? Jimmy Kimmel opening monogram. Uh, opening monologue was great. I thought Jimmy Kimmel was great throughout. I think they should just make him the regular host until he was. I realized what a natural fit he is. Yeah. I unfortunately missed the very beginning of it. I came in mid monologue, um, so. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I was. Uh, he he did a fantastic job. What's uh, uh, what I'm looking for? Uh, pleasant yet also stingy every now and again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, he, you know? he he didn't pull punches, right? He didn't put the gloves on. I mean, it's what you expect from Jimmy Kimmel. He just, just doesn't give a shit, you know, about what people think about him. Um, which is, a, but he does care that people have a good time or not. But so he that's wants good. them. He's an entertainer, and he kept things moving. Right. It was crisp, you know. He didn't make it about him. Um, right. And I, I I don't think you're gonna do better than that. I think you just lock him up for for five years and see where it yeah. goes. I completely agree. Um, I was most of the movies this year. This is talking about the year and the Oscars um, were about kindness and empathy and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's what majority of them are. So it was a great year mm-hmm. for movies and for our current culture. Um, I also liked that a lot of the speeches were of the same ilk. Mo- we've co- most of the of the speeches. We're sitting around people saying, look, I got this award, but it wasn't just me that, you know, you're giving this award to about 100 people. I think the collective was used yeah. more than once as a term, which, right. you know, had all of the anti, all the people with the um, communism panic, red panic, yeah. red panic <laughs> alert going out. There's going to be a new hack hearing. Right. Exactly. I'm sure CPAC is going to be referencing this. House of Representatives, uh, yeah. Right. But uh, it was still nice to see, like uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis said her 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 whole speech was how it was all these people that did this. And uh, my favorite speech, though, uh, you know, the the guy who did who edited everything everywhere all at once, he said, "I'd never heard any, any Oscar speech say um, I spent a lot of time with you guys, but never met you. So I hope I did well by you." <laughs> You know that, that that was a nice thing to say. It's yeah. like you know, I, I you put your performances in my hands, and I, I hope I hope hope you're happy with what I've done. You expect editors to be, you already, know, like socially awkward people who spend time locked right. in dark rooms. Like he was like the coolest guy there. <laughs> I know. 
people, people, people on Twitter were going. Uh, editing guy is hot. <laughs> I mean, he was good looking, but also he was just like chill as fuck, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Smooth. Also being that this was his second movie, which probably angered some people. I know. For him to say that, that was like a kind of a yeah. mean thing to drop. Yeah. You know? Well, the other Especially person... After the other- we've had a couple of supporting actor awards whose speeches were all about how what a long road it was and how right. it's nice to finally be it's recognized. Like- hey, guys. Uh- <laughs> This wasn't so hard. Yeah, I was. I, I got out of bed and won an Oscar. I don't know. I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> Me and Springsteen, dude. Uh, we. Uh, but my favorite speech of the night was another guy like that, who one of the uh, the the people who made the short film that won for best animated film. A boy. I can't remember the title. Yeah, bunch of um, animals. Yeah, boy, a bunch of animals. <laughs> um. And they both had said, we've never made a film before, uh, so they just apologize. But the second guy gets up there and he says, uh, he told a story about uh, someone in his village saying, so you're doing this Oscar thing still? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm still doing the Oscar thing. Because I, I, I think it's a very brave, to make a film, it's a very brave thing. And he goes, yeah, I suppose it is. And he goes, when you go to the Oscars, you're going to be in a room full of a lot of brave people. That that really touched me. I thought I was, I was. And a bunch uh, of I mean, cowardly executives. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Lawyers exactly. and yeah. Funny how the two may find each other. You know, <laughs> it's weird. But yeah, but I thought that was really because it is. It, I mean, I mean, as, as much as people like to to uh, poo poo and piss on, you know, artists for being. You know, self-involved and everything like that. It, it, it's it's a scary thing to make something and put it out there. Why do you think it takes so long for me to put out this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so, with that in mind, with empathy and kindness and uh, everything going forward, let's talk about the things we loved this year in of the 2022 movies. Um, let's begin, uh, as the Oscars do with, uh, best supporting actress. Let's start there. Let's, 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 let's start hot. Okay. All right. Um, who should go the, first? The, do a countdown. Uh, what's that? Who should go first? Let's, let's count them down. Um, would you, uh, who, what, what do you think? Sorry. You're in charge. I said you're in the driver's seat. Oh, you're in charge. Okay. All right. Well, how about, how about, okay, here was the deal. I'm, I'm going to read you because I want to know. Uh, I want to know your opinion. So I am going to read. I'm going to read off with the who won the the Oscars, and then how about you throw to you? You read yours, and then I'll do mine after that. Okay. Okay. So uh, uh, nominees for best supporting actress for the Oscars were Angela Bassett for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, Hong Chao for The Whale, Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, who and Stephanie Hsu for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Jamie Lee Curtis was the one who. Picked up the award. Now, Siggy, what are your nominees? Best Supporting mm-hmm. Actress. Uh, Siggy's top five Best Supporting Actresses in a very crowded field. This was a... Both supporting roles were really hard to cut down. In uh, number five, I always want to get a comedy role in here. So my number five is... Uh, Scene stealer extraordinaire from The Glass Onion, Kate Hudson. Yes. In a cast with some notable scene stealers, and she yeah. she topped them. 
I, I thought she was the, the she was my favorite um, my favorite thing in the end about Glass Onion. Uh, number number four will be Claire Foy from Women Talking. Hmm. Uh, Taken, taken the Jesse Buckley shot, which I, I, I just assumed walking into the movie, Jesse Buckley was going to have a spot here. Um, but my number three is Nina Haas in Tar, as she's Kate Blanchett's wife right, and right. concertmaster, first violin. Uh, my number two it's is Michelle good. Williams in The Fablemans, because I think the Oscars made a category error that is a supporting role. Yes. Even though it's a big role, it's a supporting role. She made me cry. She gets in the list. Um, <laughs> but my number one is the other one that made me cry and was already on my shortlist for a different movie, and that is Hong Chow for mm. The Whale. Mm. Popped hard in the menu. A, a total scene stealer in the menu. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Performance. So you had her on for the menu, but then once you saw the whale, it was like. But I was like, you know, that that role in the menu doesn't have much depth to it. There's it's a pretty one-dimensional <laughs> character, and she kind of fades out at the end, where it seems like she should have something to do. So you know, it's not it's not Hong Chow's fault, but you know, you, you can only you're stuck with the role that you got. But yeah, once once she once she brought tears to my eyes in the whale, I'm like, there you go. There you go. <laughs> There's a moment where she's like, she takes uh, the um, the the missionary kid out, and she's like, da, 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 I'm not done with you. And then she takes him out, and then yeah. she tells him to sit down. And when she picks up a chair and like brings it closer to him, I got so excited. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for some Hong Chao fireworks right now. You know, like if someone, if an actor gives you that. <laughs> Gives you that juice, exactly. You know, that's 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 movie magic. So that's my number. Yeah, one. totally, totally. Cool, good choices. All right, my um, my top five. Um, uh, number five, uh, Lashana Lynch from The Woman King. Okay, um, now remind me which character that is. You know what has been so long? I don't remember her name, <laughs> but she's she's the really fiery one uh, support uh, uh, in her army. Okay, who, yes. Um, who takes the, who ends up getting who ends up dying in the end? The surrogate aunt um, to yes our, our to our young main character heroine. Yes, Russ. Yeah, she's great. She's um, great in that movie. Yeah, she was great in that. Just a real. I mean, I mean the the role really does well. She really her in combination with the written role just really made that sing. Uh, my fourth is Nicole Bahari. I hope I'm saying your name right. Nicole Bahari from Breaking. 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 What's Breaking? Breaking is a is a was was a, is a little is a little movie um, with John Boyega and her and um, it's a uh, it's it's basically a Dog Day Afternoon type story, but it's about a um, a veteran who um, is um, uh, holding up a bank not to rob it but to force the government to give him his $417 or whatever that he's owed from his veteran disability. Okay. And, um, and it's, 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 but it's, it's kind of the format of dog day afternoon, but that's, that's what that is. And she is, um, I think the bank's assistant manager. And so she's, she's the calm, cool, who's like trying to negotiate the situation, figure everything out and try to resolve it. And, um, she's just a very real, 
just like a, a real person that you would really want to hang around, be be working alongside because it was, she was very impressive. She was the star of Miss Juneteenth a few years back. That uh, was really amazing too. Oh, I, um, I can't wait for the sequel. I wonder what it will be titled. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> oh Is yeah. That what you're asking? <laughs> no, there's no apostrophe. Okay. Uh, number three is uh, Carrie Condon from the Banshees of Inisherin. Um, she, an actress I've liked for a very long time, solid performance. Yeah, she got really. squeezed out. Yeah, I got a lot of good ones who got squeezed out. Too. She was on my. And, she was she was hovering around my top seven. You know. <laughs> uh, number two is Hong Chow from The Whale. Mm-hmm. Same same reasons that you've uh, uh, previously stated. Heart. Uh, Really breaks for her when uh, he finds she finds out that he's had money this whole time. Yeah, how angry that she's, you know. Yeah. Oh, lots of complicated feelings. That's a there. great scene. Yeah, but my number one, um, and like, no disrespect to Jamie Lee Curtis, she had a great performance. But my number one is Stephanie Shu from Everything Everywhere All at Once. She, she had a hell of a part to to do. Stephanie and I think she Chu has a an award worthy perf- role and then a performance to match. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which I sadly cannot say the same for Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't understand. Okay, Stephanie Shu is a good pick. She was a great pick, and she does has a very entertaining performance. It's it's a great performance. She was on my short list too. Jamie Lee Curtis. I did not when I saw that she was nominated. I did not understand. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I understand the impulse to want to give a, a career achievement award. I understand. Yeah. You know, I'm a Jamie Lee Curtis. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. That was like a joke part with one scene. She's got one real scene, and then she's like, "No, that's not true." I mean, even when I was watching the movie, I kept thinking, why is this character still around in this Around. Movie? Why is she a central <laughs> figure in, like, so many universes in this multiverse? Like, just because there's Jamie Lee Curtis fans. Like, it's the only reason, right? And it it just becomes mm. weird <laughs> and, 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 like, I don't know. Now that's something that weird is out of place in that movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually my biggest problem with the movie. Is why is Jamie Lee Curtis such a factor in the whole thing? Well, she's no, in. I guess my well, I'll get into. Mm. We'll, we'll have more opportunities to talk about that. Okay, and, but it did like I don't understand why I'm seeing so much Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie, even though I loved her and I, I loved her as the accountant in the main, uh, or you know, the auditor in the main timeline. The opening universe. Yeah, the, yeah. Opening timeline. Timeline zero. I just don't understand. I just understand what's going on. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that, which is too much already. <laughs> now, I would like to just throw in one more. I have tons of runners up. Um, I would like to throw in one more. The first person who was ever on this list who just got squeezed out by Hong Chao. And the, only, and the reason she did was because she's got too small a part. This would be uh, a good uh, best performance in a minor role. Total winner of this is um, Annie Mumolo in Confess Fletch. Okay. My God, what a what a what a comedic powerhouse performance! <laughs> I certainly do see that. Movie. Just amazing. 
I really wish they made more movies like Confess Fletch. They really need to. We need them. Um, Plenty of source material. So moving on. Uh, that's it. So we're moving on to uh, Best Supporting Actor. The Oscars chose to uh, nominate Brendan Gleeson and Barry Kogan from uh, Banshee's Vinishirin, uh, Brian Tyree Henry from Causeway, Judd Hirsch from The Fablemans, and Ki Hu Kwan from Everything Everywhere All at Once. I think it's Ki Wee Kwan. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Like Pee Wee like Herman. I went to a site to look it up, and I guess I got it wrong. Okay. Went to the wrong site, I guess. Um,. So yes, Siggy, tell me, tell us then. And Kihi Kwan, of course, Kihi Kwan, of course, famously took the Oscar for uh, the, and much deservedly so. So go ahead, go, go ahead. Famous. What's your? All right, my number five is Kiwi Kwan, who is uh, handicapped in that not not in his like regular speaking voice. I could hear his Oscar acceptance speech just fine, but in the movie, like he's doing this higher register. It falls entirely within the frequencies that I my my hearing loss is in, so I couldn't understand half of what he said. Oh, Maybe that's too less, bad. I, I understood less than half of what he said in the movie. Um, one more, one of several reasons why I need to watch that movie again. Um, I but I was picking up a lot from his from his physicality, uh, and you know, and I I was enjoying the performance. It's very moving. I wish I knew more of what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you did too, actually. Okay. Uh, my number four is uh, my new favorite young male actor working today, Barry Keoghan. Um, I hope I'm saying that right from the Banshees of Inisherin. His line readings are so bizarre. <laughs> he, I mean, it's, you know, it's a cliche. You could listen to him read the phone book i would listen to reading for the phone book not even if he's like <laughs> acting the phone book but just like the way he talks is just so off kilter yeah um he's fascinating but then it's also a great a fascinating performance and uh, compelling character brendan gleason who's like wrinkles speak volumes in that movie um <laughs> right. uh, he's my number three my number two is bill skarsgård from barbarian who mm, in the first half choice. of that movie, like he is walking a tightrope and he's like pulling you this way. He's pulling you that way. Like you are trying to figure this guy out and yeah. he is keeping you on a, on a fine thread suspended over a deep, dark basement. Um, I, I don't know. I, I thought that was a really, uh, a real tightrope act of a acting job and a great job. That's a good choice. I didn't consider that. that I don't know why because you're exactly right. My That's number a high wire one is Stephen Yun from Nope. Um, and it didn't make my best scenes list um, but his monologue describing the Gordy attack. Yeah. Which even has a Chris Kattan joke in it <laughs> that he does perfectly straight and like it makes sense. I, I like that, and it's just like this haunting. That's one of the scenes that just like resonated and haunted me, and just like played in my head over and over again. And his, uh, well, I'll I'll talk more <laughs> about about it. But he's he's my he's my number one with a bullet for best supporting actor, Stephen Young. Um, yeah, one of my other favorite uh, young actors these days. Good, good, good. Yeah, we'll 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 talk be talking about those scenes, but for sure later. Um, 
My number five is uh, Christopher Abbott from On the Count of Three. Oh, I don't know that movie. On the Count of Three is a movie directed and starring Gerard Carmichael. And Gerard, and uh, he is uh, he's kind of the heart. He's, his performance was on my best actor list for a while, but got squeezed out. Um, Christopher Abbott is a basically this is a story about two uh, one friend Christopher Abbott who is um, in a mental institution for depression and su- for, su- for suicidal tendencies. Gerard Carmichael's his best friend breaks him out with the fact that they're both going to kill e- themselves. They're going to kill each other. Um, and so right when they're about to do it, uh, the, the guy who was institutionalized says, I need a day. I need one day. And, um, so, and this is a comedy. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, the thing I, I, what gets me about his performance is that he succeeds in making you feel Kevin's plight rather than his condition. You know, it's 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 a very positive portrayal of mental illness and trauma, despite the fact that, you know, the the trailer came with you know, suicide trigger warnings. With if you know of anyone who's, you know, who's going through these things, you know, call someone, because it's a very very um, the movie is all about suicide, every second of it. And so, um, what I really did like about it was that he, you never feel like I'm looking at a. I'm looking at a portrayal of a of a illness. I'm looking at a man who is struggling with something that happened to him and is living with it, you know. So like that's he, he was really really great at that. My number 4, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right either, is Brandon P- uh, Piera from Nope. The uh the uh, Fry's electronic Oh, okay. guy. I don't know what it is. I don't think I it's I, it's an intangible love I think I have for this role. Um, I just feel he's the realest guy and he guided the... Uh, because Daniel Kaluuya, uh, because OJ is so withdrawn, not withdrawn, but he's so reserved and and impenetrable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Kiki Palmer is, her character is is so um, um, uh, extroverted, you, you can barely really trust anything that she's saying half the time. Um Brandon kind of really guided us through exactly where the audience needed to go while being um, super funny at the same time. And I, I just, I thought it was a great, uh, that was a great performance. He is very funny and he completely sells a a huge plot contrivance in that he makes you believe he joins yeah. them. Yes. Because they didn't ask him to. They didn't want him to. Right. <laughs> and he just kind of ingratiates him. Like, not ingratiates. He just forces his way into their... Yeah. <laughs> without being annoying. Like, without seeming yeah. like the pestering guy you wouldn't want. Like, you know, he's cool. <laughs> and he's funny. And you believe that, like, he can't go away. He, he right. can't stay away. Yeah. No, he, he was yeah. good. You're right. He was great. Um, my number three is Steven Yeun. Mm-hmm. Um, for, from Nope. Um What's funny after the first time I saw it was I thought, God, most of the stuff that about his character you put together without him on screen at all. But mm-hmm. even while that's the case, Yoon lays this amazing groundwork for you to fill in and discover what I think is the movie's most interesting character. Me too. I mean, I agree. And that's no slight to the other characters because they're all fascinating. But Jupe is. It's just like when he's giving that monologue about 
uh, after the, the the opening of the movie, which I think it was one of the most terrified I've ever been in a movie, <laughs> seeing and also just like it was nothing what I expected the movie to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Here I am in a, uh, a sitcom taping that no one's at, and then you see the the chimp come out with blood. Like it's just the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. And then um, uh, when he's giving the monologue, all smiles and things, you're going, oh, my God, what, this guy is messed up. Yeah. <laughs> like it, he's he's has so much unresolved trauma or unde- it's not dealt with. I mean, and he's just fascinating. Um, yeah, Stephen Ewan's incredible. Yeah. And he sits at the thematic center of the movie, I think. But we can talk. We'll, we'll get more into Yes, that. he does. Oh, he absolutely does. Um, his role is brilliantly written and it's brilliantly performed. So, uh, Stephen Yeun. So that's your number. Um, my number two, number two is is Brian Tyree Henry from Causeway. Um, I didn't get to that one. It, it was a movie I didn't think I wanted to get to. I really only got to it because he's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Tyree Henry to me should be in the same category or the same breath as like Meryl Streep and Kate Blanchett and Viola Davis. People who like. Oh, well, they're just – if they do a part, they're getting an award. <laughs> He's that good of an actor to me. Um, and uh, Causeway is is good. It's much better than I thought it was going to be as a movie. Um, but he is incredible. He's like um, – you know he's he's some he's he's befriended uh, someone who's who's rehabilitating from a a very traumatic experience as a veteran, and he's but he's shouldering his own trauma, and him them trying to figure out the closer they get what is their relationship actually being. It's a very real, very muscular, very tender performance. He's he's brilliant. He's a brilliant actor, um, and uh, my number two. Okay. Um, and my number one is. It's not really anything. Well, it's 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 not a surprise. Is is Kihi Kwan from everything, 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 everywhere, all at once? How many times and how many different ways can your heart break for the same man? <laughs> and then how many ways can you be inspired by that same man? <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, like after a while, I started thinking: Am I am I, am I building his performance up bigger than I think it is? Like is it is it the writing that's really good or or um, is it just I like the fact that you know short round is back mm-hmm. as an actor and that's part of it you know that's... after all the thing I mean it's definitely part of it I mean that's the Brendan Fraser thing but I went and was watching it again and no he's he's brilliant <laughs> <laughs> he's got so much to carry and convey and dis- and dis- and 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 more importantly distinguish from each other. And he's he's he pulls it all off. It's great. It's amazing. He's my number one. All right. There were a lot of other greats. Like I I I actually for after a while I thought Justin Long should be in there somewhere for Barbarian. I was kind of expecting it to go that way, but but I you know just not not I, I you know it wasn't until I rewatched the menu because I watched it twice uh, did I realize how brilliant Ray, uh, Ray Fiennes is in that movie. I, he was on my short list. Yeah, yeah. He, he's really Woody Harrelson from Triangle of Sadness. Actually, Ashton Kutcher from Vengeance was on my list oh, really? for a very long time. Yeah, much to my surprise. Is that the uh, he's Novak really good. Movie? Yes, it is. Okay. Which is a movie that I can't figure out if it's a very accurate to life 
experience, piece of writing or if it's a completely intellectualized one and probably both. <laughs> but it's still good. It's still good. It's 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 um it's worth a it's worth a watch. Um and uh, you know what? As crazy as everybody talks, I I think Tom Hanks was really good in Elvis. <laughs> oh man. Sorry. I I think I I think his choice well, he was pretty much kind of a middle finger to a lot of people, but if you look at, to the audience, but if you when I watch what he's actually doing, he's he's pretty good. I think it was so a little thing. too much uh, darkest hour. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I didn't compare it. I didn't think it was that bad, but yeah, I see what you mean. All right, you want to move on? Yeah. All right, so now we're going to get to a weird part. Uh, the weird part is, is that. Siggy has a bunch of thoughts about original songs, and I don't. And I have thoughts on score, and I don't believe you do. I have do. one. Is that correct? I have exactly you have one, one okay. score on my list. All right. So and let's go boring, first so with – I'll say mine first. Uh, which All right, well, is All Quiet on the Western Front, which won the Oscar. Um, for, oh, for best score? Yeah. I just I didn't like that movie very much, and the score uh, was the most interesting thing about it. And so I was – so one score I like – yeah, I, I remember that score distinctly and in detail after the movie. So that's my winner. I I, I don't know whether to tell my joke now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I have not seen All Quiet on the Western Front. Tell your joke. I, I, don't, I don't know why I don't want to. Uh, you, I just uh, don't. Watch the first 10 minutes. Honestly, the, the mm. movie says everything it has to say in the first 10 minutes. Mm, Watch it for okay. ten minutes and shut it off or fifteen. Shut it off. Yeah. Okay. Seriously, I'm I, I'm completely serious. Okay. Well, absolutely. I I, I kind of feel like I know every time they won an award, I kind of was like, ugh. <laughs> I don't know why it was bothering me. It shouldn't bother me because I haven't seen this movie to have an opinion on it one way or the other. But it just kept going, and 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 every time it won an award, they played what I assume is the theme, which was. Hah, hah. Yeah, it's like three notes, and then um, yeah, and then, and then they kept playing it. I was like, "Boy, this is not a rousing." Hey, I just won an award, you know, music cue. No. And then it said, "Wins for best score." It, it's effective <laughs> the way it's used in. in okay, all right, all right. It's um, I shouldn't be talking shit. Yeah, uh, I've not it, seen it. It it could have been a whole lot of bad, and I, I thought it I thought it worked. Cool. Well, that's good. Glad to hear it. Well, my nominees for best score. Um, I haven't been doing top five, so I got to quickly reorganize these. Um, number my fifth is uh, Carter Burwell for Banshees of Inisherin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, my fourth is Nathan Johnson for Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Nathan Johnson, I've been loving his music ever since Brick. And I love how he create builds new instruments <laughs> to oh, really? make music. I knew about and that brick. I didn't. I don't remember the music from Glass Onion at all. I don't think there's anything particular. There's nothing noticeably like, you know, new instrumenty about it. But I do. I do. I was looking at it. It's not. You know how Alan Silvestri, when he did um, the score for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it's kind of a brilliant score because it's both being like a Looney Tune and a noir movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it melds those two perfectly. You know, this isn't as drastic as that, but, you know, Glass Onion to me is like one of the, just one of the funnest movies I've seen in a very long time. It's super fun. And so he had to, 
lay uh, uh, stakes and threat with fun and not tip the hand one way or the other. He, I thought it was a really good, really good um, balancing act he did with the score. Uh, my number three is uh, Ryan Lott. Ref, he, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. I think they call them Son Lux. Yeah. Um, yeah, Son great Luck, score. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, my number two, and I think it's a crime that uh, this was not nominated for best score, is Michael Abel's for Nope. Mm, um, yeah. That was a, I re- you know, I, I should have put that one on my list. I, I definitely remember how that one went. I just didn't think of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it melds. I mean, it's it's only it's only downside is is what makes it great is that it melds into the rest of the brilliant filmmaking in the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't distinguish it from. It, it, it's not like uh, Jaws, you know, where it's like I know that music. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's it theme, but uh, yeah, no, during that climax, right? No, the the it's amazing. The score is amazing. Yeah, no, that should score is amazing. That's that's my winner. Retroactive. Okay. I convince people. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Sven Buttleman. Uh, but my number one, and I, I don't really have good reason to, other than it's just nice. <laughs> and I like listening to it. It's um, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross for it's got the score for Empire of Light. Okay. Um, well, you like to listen. It is a very good, very good reason. It's just nice. It's nice. I was watching the movie and I go, this is just really nice. It's the kind of, you know, music I, it's a nice little quiet piano. I just, it's just super, super nice. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's my best original score. Now, original song, I'll do my, uh, I'll just say, cause I didn't really research all the ones that weren't nominated. Excuse me. I'll just say that, um, Hold my hands, kind of nice. This is uh, no. Hold my hands, nice. This is a life is kind of nice, and but not too, not too is a real banger. So, no, not too, not too is my the number one from RRR. So that's all I got. Okay, <laughs> how about you? So I have strict rules about what should qualify for best original song. One, I bet you do. We disagree on this, but songs over the credits, no, right over what over closing credits, a credit roll song. Which I took note of the Lady Gaga song in Top Gun Maverick and said, oh, I like that song. Um, it doesn't count. It's got to be over the action. It's got to be, you know. Because if it's, if it's in the credits, it could very well just be a jukebox. It, could it just doesn't be matter a, really. You know, you just, take, you just ask a pop star to hold something, you know, give me a B-side or yeah. you know, <laughs> whatever didn't make the cut for the album. I mean, it's literally the time people are leaving. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, opening credit sequence, yes, that should count. Yes. You know, it's got to be that paired counts. with image. It's got to, you know, it's got to be part of the magic of movies. You know, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Right? It can't be playing to your back uh, while you're leaving. Exactly. Um, that's one. Two, I have to remember how it went without mm-hmm. going listening to a recording. Um, it has to has to get in, get in the old noggin. <laughs> and only two qualifiers this year. Um, mm. uh, so at number two is Apartment for Sale by Lydia Tarr <laughs> in Tarr. And number one. I didn't realize that would count as a song. That is but a okay, song. I guess it it's, it's in the credits. It's as a, a song, song uh, composed by 
uh, Kate Blanchett and Todd Field, performed by Kate Blanchett. Uh, and <laughs> my number one for best original song for 2022 is Good Afternoon from Spirited. Oh, I forgot about Good Afternoon. Was, there was another song in that movie that was really quite good. a lot of fun. I liked I liked yeah. a number. Of, I liked the one Octav- Octavia Spencer sings, The View from mm-hmm. Up Here. I can't tell you how it goes though. I I, yeah, I liked true. the vibe of it, and I thought she did a good job singing it. I thought it did a good job in the context of the story. I know it like comes mm-hmm. back as a recurring motif, as kind of her theme, um, but I can't sing three notes from it, so it doesn't. Yeah, that's it true. Doesn't, it doesn't qualify. I'm sorry. Wasn't a golden ear. Uh, good afternoon. I could I, right as soon as the movie ended, I was singing "Good Afternoon." So <laughs> there you go. You know, this may not be the place, but uh, we should. Uh, we do need to talk about Spirited, and we do need to talk about why are like comparing Scrooged. And spirited. That, you know, right? someday we'll have a holiday special and we'll figure out why I don't like Scrooge and I did like Spirited. I like Scrooge, but I think, I don't know, I think I may have liked Spirited more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I definitely did. It surprised me. I did not expect, I did not think I'd like Spirited and I really enjoyed it. But as you say, this is not the time. It's not the time. All right. Well, thank you, sir. So, so good afternoon, your best song. You heard it here first, folks. Well, well my, my family heard it first, but okay. Now, I put this category in, but I don't remember you agreeing to it. <laughs> best editing. Yeah. Did we agree to best of editing? Course. Okay, great. Best editing. Okay. So the Oscars chose Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick, giving it to Everything Everywhere All at Once. Siggy, what do you do? Uh, um, all right. My number five, uh, and this was a competitive one. Mm-hmm. Um, my number five is Nicholas Mansour for Nope. Mm. Number four, Ruben Ostland and Mikkel C. Carlson for Triangle of Sadness. That the... the, the there's a lot of a lot of choices in that in that movie. Yeah, there were a lot of choices to be made in that movie, and they made and the editing some is miraculous ones. Big part of it, um, uh, and it mostly worked for me. Um, it's actually would my would be higher, uh, but for one big problem. But I think we'll probably get to it. I think we're going to talk about later. that later. Okay. <laughs> uh, number three is Blair McClendon for After Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a real collage It's not a real collage kind of movie. It does have col- collagial, I was going to say collegiate, uh, has collage-like aspects to it. it. It would be so easy for that movie to drag. And it totally yeah. doesn't. Um, right. No, it's, it, that, the, the editing just like casts a spell. It's part of the, a very important part of the movie, casting a spell that, Mm-hmm. Just held me from beginning to end. Um, amazing, amazing work on After Sun. Um, number two is Eddie Hamilton for Top Gun Maverick. It's just like crackerjack. Um, and we will get into. I will dig deeper into that later in this episode. My number <laughs> one though is an editing tour de force. Uh, Monica Willie. Or perhaps Villy for Tar. 
Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. See, I have to see... I, I should probably see Tar again because I saw it. It was the first movie I watched when I got COVID. Hmm. So I was kind of out of it. Okay. And I'm not sure I appreciated it as much as I probably would have if I had not been sick. So... I might have to go back because the it, editing was not something I noticed. Okay, it does demand your <laughs> it does demand your attention, Tar. Yes, yes, it does. Cool. So yeah. So anything well, like like what was it that about about it that really that really the, the whole thing? I mean, you? it's all you know. As Lydia says at the beginning, she's in control of time, and what is an editor if not in, True. in control of time? And just I thought the rhythm of the whole thing. Um, I thought all of those orchestra rehearsal scenes were just like cut rate, not cut rate, first rate. <laughs> Far from cut, cut first rate. rate. It was cut first rate. <laughs> uh, first rate cutting, as a matter of fact. There you go. Um, I, I, you know, th- th- there was a moment that got squeezed out of my top moments of the year. There's just one exchange that just like replayed in my head over and over again. It's when Lydia's doing her machinations to get this Russian cellist to to the, the the solo spot so she can as part of her seduction, and she. I don't remember. It was when she yes, it's when she says she selected the companion piece for Mahler's Fifth Symphony, and it's uh, surprise, surprise. It's the cello. <sighs> solo that she knows that you know that this Russian girl has told her that yeah. she she did and she watched the YouTube clip of it so she knows and so the Russian woman whose name I should probably know um, well I don't it's a character whatever uh, she knows what's going on so she makes like this head bob gesture <laughs> a smile like mm. oh you picked mine and uh, Lydia's wife played by Nina Haas like gives this side eye. It's just like a classic. Yeah. You know, if you think back to like the Oscar clips you saw growing up as a kid, like in the eighties, of like these yeah. real, you know, magisterial kind of pieces of cinema. Oh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. it was exactly the kind of clip they would have showed then just to show like I don't know, just like give you a flavor of like the the unspoken dramatic interplay that happens between people in a scene and it was just like one of those like it was just so crisp and it's like bam 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 yeah. and then it's on to the next thing like you don't even have time to dwell on it but you like you catch it and then like well Lydia's got to think fast in her feet so you cut to her thinking fast in her feet and away from all of that <laughs> into what she's trying to distract them with you know I don't know just like I thought I thought I thought that was um, just bang bang just one example of how I thought that there was such a crisp, the whole thing, just a crisp piece of filmmaking. Yeah. Cool. I like that passion. See, we're getting rid of that negativity and getting that out. <laughs> Tell me what you like. I'm very passionate about the top three movies in my list. It was after that. All right. Having trouble. <laughs> but top three, you can do no wrong. All right. My challenge my is not just for every category to make those three movies the top three. <laughs> <laughs> movies, which I had at one point. All right, my uh, nom- not my nomination for best editing, which left out Triangle of Sadness, which I'm sad about because that you're exactly right about that. Um, my number five is Eddie Hamilton from Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. I 
like you said, Cracker Jack, just stellar um, pop movie filmmaking. Um, but when I was watching the um, really, behind really the scenes, more airborne, more atmospheric, right? Without being well, atmospheric. <laughs> yeah, but when I watched uh, the the behind the scenes making ofs and found out that they sent the actors up into these jets with and and they but they couldn't send crew so they had to be their own camera sound and you couldn't talk to the ground so the actors basically were up there reciting lines directing themselves doing the clap running the camera oh, really and doing all that That's crazy and so i'm like so he, they have to do these these flights and then come back down and look at it to see if they got everything <laughs> that they needed and because they had to rely on the actor to do all that stuff. And so when you look at it from that perspective and then all the aerial photography, they're like trying to catch stuff and do all that stuff, that's an editing challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> to make a co- – nightmare, yeah, to make – let's put it nicely, to make a cohesive story. And that thing just sings, doesn't it? It so, yeah, sings so. and I mean it, it is a lot of cockport cockpit shots. It's a lot of mm-hmm. actors playing pilots experiencing G forces. <laughs> look like they're shitting in their pants. It, 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 it approaches getting repetitious, and then it it manages to not be. Even though there's a lot exactly. of it, and if I replay it in my head, I'm like, how did I not get sick of that? Because there was a lot of it. It should be laughable. Well, yeah. How much of the movie is just yeah. watching actors go with the same angle on their their face? You know <laughs> exactly. It shouldn't work, but it totally did. You know, I, I yeah, it, it wasn't going to be on my list at first, and then I just you know thinking about that, and then thinking about just how much it sank despite all that. It was like, oh, that's got to be there. Got to be all right. Number. Oh wait a second, I think I misnumbered something. Oh no, I didn't. Number four, uh, Nicholas Monsoor for Nope. Again, Yay. this is just – this is just – Nope is one of those just all-cylinder filmmaking – all filmmaking – all filmmaking cylinders banging at like 11. It's it's just – it's a tremendous piece of work. Um, my number three is um, Dean Fleischer Camp and Nick Paley for Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Oh, I didn't get to that one. That is a delightful movie, and when you see it, you'll realize how much the editing does play into it. Um, I myself, well, we'll get to that later, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's a really incredibly well-made film. Oh, I forgot to mention that up until the la- Hong Chao, Isabella Lucellini was on my list of best supporting actresses for her vocal work as uh, Nana Connie. Seriously, <laughs> wow. in that, yeah. Um, for best supporting actress, um, um, and then Hong Chao came and knocked her off. Mm-hmm. Um, not really, but yeah. So um, Marcel, the show with shoes on. Even people go, "Oh, well, that's cute." It's more than cute, folks. <laughs> it's an spectacular piece of film. And that played in Ann Arbor for a long time, but I think that was right when I had COVID. So I yeah, afterwards. So I didn't go. I can see how people would be like, that's too precious. I can't I can't take the saccharin. But it's not saccharin. You should everyone should see it. It's a it's a fantastic movie. Um I really want to give a double Oscar for this category. I can't I can't separate the two, but I'm I'm not going to do that. <sighs> Taking a back seat uh to my double win category is uh Blair McClendon for Aftersun. Um 
it's a memory, like you said, it's a memory play. You said kind of collage, but it's it's a memory play. The thing that's so spectacular about the editing in this movie is that the editing is crucial to providing the answers for questions that the movie doesn't state the answers for. There's no... You know, like you, I, I, um, like you said, spoiler alert. Uh, like you said in your letterbox review, that crushing sadness, knowing that this is the last time she's ever going to see her father. Yeah, when you figure, why do we think that? It's a dawning realization during in the right. course of the movie. Yeah, yeah, but why do we think that? Yeah, it's the editing. Yeah, we just know it. Yeah. <laughs> We we just know, and like then the movie doesn't tell us that he died or when he died or how he died. We just know, and um, I think that storytelling element is 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 critical. So that's it's a masterful piece of work. It is. Um, and my number one is Paul Rogers for everything, everywhere, all at once. Just, I mean, that's that that's a movie that could so easily not work, and at every turn, and. Every bit of it works. So that's my... There's a lot of impressive my, technical mm-hmm. work and everything. And the editing included. I mean, there's so many... The crazy match shots, you know, matching shots. And, and to think that uh, what I, what really gets me is that I remember watching a lot... I don't know why I'm going to choose this as an example. But I remember watching uh, a couple of um, really good-looking uh, Lonely Island music videos. Okay. And counting as a production manager... Like, oh, there's only three locations here, but it looks like 20. Hmm. And I remember counting, they did these shots here, they did these shots here, they did a stage here, and probably the stage here doubles as this, 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 and then outside the stage is the L.A. River part. I probably know what stage they're on. And looking at how economical the whole thing was, you know, excuse me, pardon me, um, I can't process everything everywhere all at once from a production design standpoint because... The fact that they only shot it in like was it twenty one or twenty eight days something like that. That's insane. They shot really quickly. Yeah. And when you think of all the shots they had and all the universes to put, to, to put them through and all the costumes for all the different universes, like how did they do this? How in the world did they do this? And uh, so yeah, I imagine the editing did a whole lot of that heavy lifting. And whew. so here's my thing. Okay, and this is. The main thing I was talking about in the intro about negative feelings dominating my feelings. Mm-hmm. My the thing holding me back on everything everywhere all at once is that I did get fatigue during it. Mm. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like it was Well not being able to hear one of the major characters probably not, not that. <laughs> I'm I that happens. Contributed. That happens to me. You know? I'm used to that. No, it was just it was just too. It was just too much. <laughs> I just, oh, it, you yeah. know, I felt like the movie got bogged down with itself, and I had all these clever things, but then it returned to all of them like too, too many times for me. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like I didn't need to see the hot dog fingers for the fifth time. This movie, or you know, or the rocks with the eyeball. Like we're going back to them again. Like you know, I, 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 I felt. Even like the end with her, like the final battle up the stairs where she makes her realization and, and Michelle you know, puts the, the Google eye in her forehead and it's the big, you know, final battle. Like even that was like 
too long for me. Like just the rhythm mm. of it felt off. And so I can't, you know, for, for, ha- there's a lot of great technical mm. chops, but like there's some, for me, there's some serious choices holding this movie back for me um, that editing could have fixed. And so I, I, I can't rate it for that. Yeah, I, 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 I can't agree with any of that at all. <laughs> That's not my experience with it. The 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 every time it returned, it I got something new. It it deepened even more. Like it, it all seemed necessary to me, and um, and so like I I I felt like, and even on multiple, I I am a sobbing mess about. No well, more than earlier than three quarters to the movie, and then I just keep sobbing. And I don't think I could possibly sob even harder, and then I do. <laughs> um, and you know, it's a it's a beautiful expression of, you know, not only Eastern, you know, philosophies, but also. I think what I really love about it is that is that Joju Tabaki, Stephanie Stephanie Shu, as her daughter. And Joe and Joe Boo, who's essentially the same person, they really seduce you into thinking they know the universe, that they're wise beyond their years, and they know everything. And then when it comes down to it, you realize it's really a seventeen-year-old's inner angst that has complicated everything, and she just wants her mother to tell her it's okay. <laughs> that primal, uh, that prim- primal, like need it's 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 that simple and like um i don't in a world that's incredibly complicated that's a great thing and in so, the script that's high marks yeah. for, for the script but uh, and i think the uh, and i think the movie as a whole and the performance does a, and the, uh, does a does an excellent job with it so yeah I, I um you know i know we all have we all see the films differently uh i can't say i was ever fatigued by it uh but um but i can definitely thinking about it if you weren't on the same wavelength, yeah, I, I could totally see you people getting bogged down. Like this is like I was curious about whether to recommend it to my mother and father because I'm like, they may not sit through this. <laughs> <laughs> so I completely understand, but uh, yeah. Um, we were, were, were talking editing. Is that where we yes. were? Yes. <laughs> okay, That's, right. that was your number one. For editing, that was my number that one. Was your winner, mm-hmm. okay, it was my winner. You and you and the academy um, agree. It did. I these these uh, things uh, squeezed out. Elvis. Elvis was on my list for a very long time, as well as Tar, but um, um, they got squeezed out. Uh, best cinematography. Somebody edited them out. <laughs> so I was a real jerk, but I, I thought it was a funny joke. I was complaining earlier about the All Quiet on the Western Front score. Yeah. Always playing that same riff that I obviously didn't know the context for. But <laughs> I felt bad because the guy who got up to accept the award for the best score, he was talking for a while. It took a while to, to get to where he was, what he was saying. And what he ultimately said was very nice. And I shouldn't have said what I said, but I said out loud, is this award for best score or best snore? Good one. We please cut this out. Please cut this out. No, I'm not going to go find this. Was it worth it? You got to edit yourself, my friend. Okay. Speaking of friend, 
Uh, for best cinematography, James Friend won for All Quiet on the Western Front. Who's Friend? And then also James Friend. Oh, that's his name. I was thinking Is that- our friend James. <laughs> our friend James. Friend no, James Friend. Who's a cinematographer. Okay. And uh, also nominated was Bardo, False Chronicles of Helpful Truths, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. So, they didn't show very many your... clips from. They didn't really show off the cinematography. Uh, clips, clips at the Oscar shows for the past eight to ten years have really bothered me. Yeah, like they don't. Whoever's picking them is dumb. Yeah, yeah, you're dumb. The screenplay clips this time are really weird. It was like the screenplay for <laughs> nominated for replays this guy. It was like, yeah, for sure. Next nominee is this guy. Oh, hand me that. Next, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, somebody had to think about how they got it into their own hand. Well, they <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the screenwriter's job. Didn't say it wasn't full of mundanity. It is, certainly is. I just made that word up. I think. Uh, hit me with your cinematography greats. Top five. My number five is Larkin Seeple Seiple for everything, everywhere. All at once. Mm. A lot of different looks. A lot of different looks in that movie. Um, Tom Cross for Babylon, which uh. is a pretty good-looking movie. Uh, especially that opening, Bacchanal. Uh, and the camera work uh, in that, it's all... It, it's, it's, there's, there's some impressive stuff technically happening, uh, especially in that in that segment. Uh, Mandy Walker for Elvis, and the, yes, mm. I count the um, well the split screens as editing, um, <laughs> which were really riffing from Elvis on tour. Elvis but, was know, on my Scorsese's work. <laughs> you know, it's like they, we're not doing costume um, and production design, but when they showed the clip for Elvis for costume production, they're like, well, they just like looked at they just did yeah. what. <laughs> They just use somebody else's choices. Like, I don't know. Um, I know. But they did to costume other people than just Elvis. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. We forget about that. Um, but cinematography is a good-looking movie. Um, yes. Uh, number two, Florian Hofmeister for Tar. Very subtle cinematography. Uh, I thought extremely effective, especially for you know, subtly showing internal emotional states, which is what a great cinematographer mm-hmm. does. But number one, um, overall, the best-looking movie of the year, uh, nope. Thanks to I, Hoyta Van Hoytema, I'm guessing is the pronunciation. Nope. My winner. The Silver Siggy <laughs> goes to... The Silver Siggy. Because nope, I like silver better than gold. The, uh, well, the Wet Wade go- <laughs> goes to... Uh, awesome. My um, my noms are no top five. Are uh, for uh, the five is uh, Kim Ji Young for Decision to Leave. Yeah, that was on my short list. That got squeezed out yeah, by that was, Babylon. That was a good uh, good storytelling camera eye there. I yeah. have to say, um, That's a great one. I I didn't have Tar on my list, and I didn't have it on there when I made this one. But thinking about it later. Especially going back and studying a couple of scenes, I kind of probably should have had Florian on here. 
but I don't. <laughs> uh, my number four is Mandy Walker from Elvis. Mm-hmm. A lot, of, you know, a lot of that. Such a, I mean, Boz Lerman. We'll get into him later, but uh, you know, he directed the hell out of this movie. Usually, remember how we? I love when you said Bohemian Rhapsody won for most editing that, instead of best. That editing. was someone else's joke, but it's totally oh, true. It was? It's totally true. Boz Lerman has the tendency to probably warrant the same criticism as most directing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought Elvis was appropriately – it wasn't a pejorative. And uh, to keep it up with that and having your own your own, your own uh, visual – just uh, – she did a really well, fantastic especially job. Especially when the musical biopic – and I do say biopic and not biopic um, – Especially when that, Thank like, as clarifying. a genre, just feels so completely played out and exhausted. Like you, yeah. you, you need to juice it up somehow, and he, he totally did. You know, he made. Yeah. Uh, he, I wouldn't have been interested if it weren't a Baz Luhrmann project. Honestly, I would. I would agree. Me too. I would agree. Um, my number three is Gregory Oki for After Sun. Um, the that's a good pick. The century. I mean, it's not all pretty everything, but the sensuality of living in each moment was so palpable. And combined with the editing, it's it's it was uh, really really something. There was a great letterbox review I saw, which was I didn't realize that my ten year. My childhood memories look like After Sun until I saw After Sun. <laughs> and I realized, yes. <laughs> that's right. That's what my memories look like. Yeah, exactly. It's, ex- it's the exact uh, color palette of my memories. <laughs> exactly. Number two, um, I'm going Roger Deakins for Empire of Light. Uh, you know, I probably should switch those two. I probably Deak. should put I probably should put After Sun at number two. And because, oh, if only because... I mean, Empire of Light is a gorgeous movie. But like a lot of the things in the movie, I think the... I don't think they all work in service to what the story is actually trying to do. I just think they're tremendously skilled at it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's almost like they're too good. Like, like, after, like, like if After Sun looked like... American Beauty, it wouldn't be as powerful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Uh, I don't know why I chose American Beauty. I think it was another Sam Mendes movie. But I was trying to think of a very polished-looking, just everything, uh, you know, everything is gorgeous. Uh, you if know, it looked like Mystery kind of Men. <laughs> right. Well, you know, well, yeah, that's not exactly the thing. But, yeah, no, I think it wouldn't have the same weight. And so um, – uh, so I think it works against it a little bit, but it's so stunning to look at. It's beautiful. So he's on the list there. But number one, like you said, best looking movie of the year. Most. Let's talk about the night shooting in Nope. Yeah, let's talk about the night shooting. Hoyt Van Hoyt, uh, yeah, number one with a bullet. All that night shots with black actors at night. It's all, all amazing, and it doesn't look 
stage fake and stagey. It looks um, it looks um, it is it is the best like night, the best looking night shots of a long time. Yeah. I think they shot day for night. Did they? I think so. It's the best freaking looking day for our night it's, I've ever yeah, seen. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the fact that you can see just enough of that ship. Yeah. You see, you see the exact amount of detail on that ship, you know, for the first stretch of that movie. Um, yeah, it, no, an incredible looking movie. Yeah. Um, uh, um, yeah. Astonishing achievement. All right, moving on to uh, a new category. No Oscar comparison this time. This is our first new category. Is that correct? This year, but we've done this category before. Right, right, right. Um, okay, so this is best sequence, i.e., best. This doesn't have to be one scene; could be, uh, or it could be just a very complicated scene that spans several things. But best edited or best sequence, yeah, basically, could be a montage, could be. You know, you have action scenes, you have action sequences, you know. That's exactly a right. A car chase would be a good choice for a, a sequence because it's just not contained. Yes, exactly. It exactly. might spill over into several settings. And and as I've said before, I'll say it again. Um, every year wins the same best sequence award for me. <laughs> the attempt on Fury's life in Captain America Winter Soldier. <laughs> every time. <laughs> it's the perennial winner. Um, okay, how about we flip it? I'll go first, and then you get the last say. This okay. Time. All right, we'll do this on the on the special ones. All right, well, my nominations for be- my top five best sequence, which I have a whole bunch listed here, most of them from Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I won't go into them because... I, yeah. um, <laughs> okay, so my number f- five is... The whole opening act of Halloween ends. The opening babysitter okay. tragedy. Opening opening sequences are good candidates. Yeah, the, we both had in the, from Invisible Man the opening sequence. Yes, that's right. That's right. That year. Um, Halloween ends is by no means a perfect movie. Uh, it may not even be a good one. <laughs> it's a but uh, it is. Um, I think it's a good movie. It's um, it's the most discussable movie I think of the year for sure. Hmm. And um, I know you've wanted to discuss it with me several times. I want to talk to somebody about it. I've not seen um, it and will not see it. Probably won't. You don't need to. Um, I mean, but you'd have to. I want to see the three trilogy, the trilogy again: Too Halloween, scary. Halloween Kills, and Ends. And uh, the opening of, of Halloween Ends. Basically, we're all waiting to see what's gonna move over from the last movie and then suddenly we've got this completely different character completely different thing and we're just like what is what are we watching and then it is a masterful just if it wasn't so great it would really suck (laughs) but it was a masterful (laughs) scary sequence of a man flips it too has a male babysitter who doesn't used to babysitting babysit this kid who then basically tries to scare him Okay. And like st- uh, uh, tries to scare him because uh, there was uh, deaths going on in the you know the the movie we were previously watching was going on at the time and um, uh, he uh, the it ends in tragedy with the the boy locking the babysitter in the closet 
And when he bursts out, the boy falls over the balcony right in front of his parents and dies. And it's it's not entirely clear how it happened, and that's part of the strength of it. It's really scary, shocking sequence. Really great. Um, my number four best sequence is Animals Attack from RRR. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> How can you not love that? <laughs> when that when that truck swerves over and the canvas comes off, and then <laughs> tons of wild animals and him jump out, and they it's all like, they all agree to. <laughs> they're not scared and frightened, <laughs> right? They're just like we're killing the British, and like it's it's amazing. Jesus, how can you not love that? Oh. So, yeah, that's my number four. My number three, I've been wanting to talk to about so someone for a long time, um, is from Elvis. It's the sequence. It's cross-cuts between three things. It cross-cuts between Elvis, one of Elvis's earliest performances where he's in the pink suit. And okay. this is where Tom Parker watches him for the first time and um, has that amazing line where he says uh, – from his, he's the best carnival act because I see the look. I don't know what music, I don't know music from music, but I see the look in that girl's eyes and she wants something that she's not sure she should. Which, which is what, the, like, that's a weird what? thing about that script is that that's like what the first third of that movie is about and then it stops being about that. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, exactly. But uh, maybe Elvis's life stopped being about that. I don't know. Uh, further maybe. analysis on that. Anyway. It cross-cuts between Elvis as a boy with his little Captain Shazam, Captain Marvel oh, thing yeah. on. yeah, yeah. Peeping into the speakeasy with the uh, erotic dancing and blues music. Mm-hmm. And then running to the revival tent. That's so, a great sequence. You know, while I was watching it, I thought this is going to be in my list and it didn't make it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's amazing because it really... They're they're proposing, and I don't know if Elvis agrees, but they're proposing that basically his movement was not, you know, shaking my moneymaker in front of women. It was tied to hearing, you know, you know the, the conflated with the, the 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 dancing he saw, and then hearing the spirit coming into him, and then putting that out as the music he heard over there. And then it coming out the way it does and people reacting to it the way they do. It's just a brilliant – honestly, I think I understand Elvis a lot better after that sequence, mm. honestly. Mm-hmm. And I hope – and uh, uh, so, yeah, it was just an amazing – I thought it was an amazing sequence, that one. Uh, my number Great. two, you're not going to be so happy with this one. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's not on purpose. My number two – is part one of Triangle of Sadness, Carl and Yaya. Okay. The whole part one. Oh, you're counting that as one sequence. Yeah, everything from the title card, part one, to the title card, to part two. Okay. Because it's it's one conversation. Yeah. Right? That goes from the dining, the restaurant, to the... If you want to count the male model part in there, yeah. But it goes from the counting, the... Uh, the uh, the restaurant to the Uber to the hotel elevator and then eventually to the hotel room. That whole thing, the dinner bill, why is it so hard to talk about money and the reconciliation, 
um, I love it, and I, I it's it's it it, it it and it borders on being annoying that you just they just won't let it go. But let's once you got the we start with the flip of you know the gender inequality in, in income, mm-hmm. but they flip it for a world where male models make less than female models. Yeah, one of two professions. Uh, one of two professions, true. and that other could than nutritionist. Be, Right, and that could be that could be a dangerous thing to do. It's kind of like the, you know, if there was ever a woman, which I don't think there has been in, in all of eternity, <laughs> who's ever uh, falsely accused assault for uh, financial gain, we tell a story about that, so it ruins, it calls questions on everything else. I don't, th- and so. You could use that. They could, this could be the same thing, but it's not. I, I think it's very important for the structure of the movie. We're starting out this way, and then the uh, I I was laughing the whole time. I the whole sequence. I was like, la- when he's keeping the elevator from uh, opening, he just won't let it go. And the his the the the, the maleness of I demand fairness. <laughs> And I demand this, you know, you should want to at least because you like me, but like, you don't have to, but you should want to. And he's demanding to control how she feels. And, uh, and she's just as complicated. And I, I just love it. I love the whole thing. Um, uh, and I, and I, I agree the first time I say, I agree. You haven't, you haven't. Enter the conversation on this yet? <laughs> yes, I'm just waiting for. Uh, but, I, but the thing is, is that when I first saw it, I feel like when I saw the movie the first time, I feel like I thought the parts were kind of disjointed and didn't flow together a little bit. Like I wasn't totally certain when I saw it a second time. The whole thing it really clears everything up. Second viewing, second viewing really makes the whole thing. You can see kind of how it all fits much better together than after okay. the first viewing so, because I have that you have expectations you're like okay we're starting out these are these are our main characters great and then the second part happens and our main characters don't seem to be the main characters anymore and then the third part happens and they're very prominent but they're not the most important <laughs> so you're kind of like oh, well, why did we see the first part if they weren't but it is incredible but it's still the second viewing really Max it all together because you drop your expectations of what you were kind of expecting. I At mean, least that's not what happened to me. They're very important as a couple in the third part because, like, the whole final moment is about you know is about right. is, is brought into being by the fact that their their couplehood is being threatened um, or violated. But I think okay. I think parts two and three work together just fine. I think right. they're, they're 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 great companions to each other. I don't understand. I didn't get into part one, um, and maybe this is like I don't you like you're a big Albert Brooks fan. I'm not an Albert Brooks fan, and this right, is right. like this reminded me of that kind of oh really, <laughs> you know, obsession where like. Immediately at the dinner table, like, like all I had to do was say, "Oh, you said you'd pay this time," <laughs> and that would have been the whole conversation, right? Like, <laughs> just like watching someone be that passive aggressive uh, at length um, is like aggravating. 
but also like once we get on the yacht, if we just start on part two, like I'm, I, I can pick up on everything I need to know about these two immediately with what I see in, in part two. I don't need, mm. you know, what, why does, what is part one doing that's adding to the rest of the movie? It's a long well, movie. It's two and a half hours long. Yeah. They could have made it half an hour shorter. Well, it wouldn't be a triangle because there'd be only two parts, but I wouldn't hold that against it. There, there is. I feel obviously the whole movie is about econ- economics, right? The whole movie is about power structure in and how the whole world runs uh, economically. And like the first part is about individuals, a couple, a small unit, and um, they are held together almost because because they, they talk about how. They might even be dating simply because it's good for Instagram. You know, they, they, they kind of allude to the fact that they may, it may be kind of a <laughs> social media arranged married couple yeah. to them, you know, and so, and which is an economic thing. And so um, I think a lot of the things that they do in the first, uh, the, uh, I disagree, or rather, I push back on the idea that. Just the one thing tells you everything you need to know for the next part. I think so much character comes out in each level. I mean, because when you see her and she's chatting on the she's 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 texting and the bill gets dropped, and then when he reaches for it, she goes, "Oh, thanks." You we can make an assumption about what she's doing there, and then uh, be it right or wrong. And then when he brings it up, it's obviously tacky, and she she rightfully pushes back on that. And finally, when she says, "You know what? Fine, I'll do it," uh, and then of course that's not what he really wanted. He just wanted her to want to, and blah blah blah. And they fight about that. But then when she can't pay it herself, when her cards are declined, you see that like yes, yeah, she makes more money. But maybe the reason why she wasn't actually paying was because she knew she was maxed out and couldn't pay. But okay. wasn't going to say is, that because it wasn't. This is all no. But this, this is, is all. Your argument is for part one being enjoyable, which I, I that is a different. <laughs> that's not what I'm asking. Oh. You know, I'm, I'm but, asking. No, but like, I'm saying in a in each a part, your darling scenario, like how, how would you? What am I missing in, in parts two and three? If part one, if I didn't already watch part one. Well, if if you if you start out in part two and you just say, okay, here's a here's an Instagram couple that's on the boat, mm-hmm. right? The whole exchange is about the um, the shirtless guy making eyes at the shirtless guy crew member. Yeah, that whole stuff. We'd be starting to make our assumptions about them there. Which you see the thinking. same thing, the same passive aggressive well, no, because- mulishness. But now, but we've gotten so much more in depth about who they are and why they have all those uh, 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 feelings and, and motive. Each one of those things gave us another clue about why they are the way they are. So I think that we got that baseline established through each little interaction, through each little back and forth, through each passive aggressive and sometimes just aggressive, and then some olive branches. We see through all those little things. Uh, a fuller character so that when they get there now we say okay we know who they are 
We know why they are the way they are. I mean, heck, when I talked about the economy, even their sexual role play about the plumber coming in the fix, that's an economic yeah. uh, 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 context too. Right. So like – I mean they're on like, the, the rich yacht. I, I know that they're rich just from right. their being here, you know. Right. But like – or they no, they were – it was paid for for them. They didn't buy it. So they, they yeah, kind right. of – they kind of can't afford it, but they can because of that's their profession, right? Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I think I I think from the way that I watched a view that whole first part, I felt like I got a full well of knowledge about who they are as people in that first thing. It wasn't I. I don't think it's a, a situation of, murder, of, of kill your darlings to truncate that for efficiency's sake. Because if it was just efficiency's sake, I would be making um, shallow judgments about who they are on the boat later. And in this part, gave us a fuller look at each of, uh, of them. So that's that's why I, I like know. it. I, I feel like I managed okay without that for the captain or uh, Dimitri the shit peddler. <laughs> the king of the king of shit. You know what I mean? Like there might have been a, a part one written for them once upon a time that got cut, and I didn't. You know, I wasn't searching for. Like, I, boy, I wish I had more about these people. You know what I mean? Like, I mm. I felt like I was able to. I guess so. so. I, I I enjoyed it so much, and I got so much reaped so much from it. I I, I don't. I I wouldn't want the movie without it. So maybe that's that's maybe that's the better way. You to enjoyed it for its own sake. That's what I mean. That's what I'm hearing, and I didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, by the way, let me go back and say um, the the guy who chose the clips for the Oscars, he made one good, great one, which was on the best picture when it said "Triangle of Sadness." The little moment they showed was just Woody Harrelson staying there next to the first mate with a glass of champagne, sipping it, and then looking at it like. This is bad. It's <laughs> like this, blah, chef's kiss. So that was my number two sequence. Okay. My number one sequence is the cross-cutting between in everything, everywhere, all at once, where Wayman's um, almost Wong Kar Wai looking scenes of this is how I fight cross-cut with his please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on speeches. I mean, mm. it's just heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's he, the the. I'm standing there bleeding. We don't know what's going on. We're crazy half the time. Just can we please just stop and be kind? Cross cut with this is how I fight, and I would, given the chance, I would would really like to have done laundry and taxes with you. It was just a beautiful couple of scenes. Seymour said that was maybe the most romantic line she's ever heard in any movie. <laughs> the laundry and taxes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm I'm on her side. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, as I said, I'm not going to go on all the others, but I'll just say that which which just show, goes to show how much glamour she's looking for in <laughs> Sigmund Lamar. <laughs> Sigmund Lamar. So many great scenes with Gordy's home, and you know, stable fakeouts and being digested, and just so many great. The whole nope should just be the best sequence. It's just. <laughs> All right. I'm done now. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, my selections for best sequence of 2023, 2022, excuse me. Um, what didn't make it was something from Blonde because hmm. there are 
a lot of really good sequences in Blonde, um, but they're all followed by some horrible sequence from Blonde. <laughs> some, something truly deplorable. And so uh, that that kind of takes the, takes the sheen off. So, <laughs> so Blonde didn't make it in. Um, so my number five is AJ gets canceled in Barbarian. The whole... The, oh, the big yes. gear shift moment. Uh, one of the best gear shift moments, probably the best gear shift moment of the decade that I'm aware yeah. of. You know, um, a kind of a historic uh, gear shift moment. Um, yeah, completely. and you like, wait, what? Where's this going? Why is this? Why is this story about this now? And like, just how long that goes on and plays out. And, Before any connection is made, yeah, yeah, and it's just funny in its own right. Um, and Justin Long's willingness to play such a dick, you yeah. know. I mean, he goes for it, and he plays. He's yeah, he's like committed to it. You know, he's not winking at all in that performance. Um, no, he's he's act, he, what's amazing about it is he's asking you sympathize with me. Yeah, this yeah. is a problem. Yeah, he's playing it. <laughs> he's playing it like he's the hero of the movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, and that that was that was just a thrill. Yeah. Okay. Number four, uh, Emily buys a car from Emily the criminal. When she, oh God! Yes. The, the scam scene where that that the suspense of that where you you know you have to get in and out in eight minutes before the bank notices and calls them. Yeah. And uh, just the way that whole thing devolves, um, uh, that was that was a pulse pounder. That was a great one. Yeah, um, agreed. Aubrey Plaza is in an action suspense Hitchcockian. It's not really Hitchcockian, but um, is a premise worthy of. I don't. Well, I'm not. It's more De Palma than Hitchcock. I'm, like De Palma is <laughs> that different from Hitchcock? I don't right. know what I'm saying. <laughs> Shut up, Siggy. No, you're doing fine. Okay. Uh, number one. three is um, it's in the first 15 minutes of All Quiet on the Western Front. I'm just going to call it uniform recycling. <laughs> when this okay. sequence is over, turn off the movie. The movie has said <laughs> everything interesting it has to say and will not say anything nearly as interesting for the rest of its runtime. It is a very good, very effective sequence, um, and I've never seen anything quite like it. Um, it's basically – I mean the movie's about how they shovel bodies into battle to get slaughtered. Um, but this sequence is about how they then strip those bodies for parts for, oh, wow. for the next wave. Uh, it's very effective. Uh, very, very well done. Um my number two is um, a long sequence in Triangle Sadness, Triangle of Sadness, which I will just call the storm. <laughs> the entire yeah. storm. The entire storm. Um, we don't have a special effects category that we're doing this year, but my number one special effect would be the vomiting effects. Yes. Are the best vomiting effects. I usually am annoyed and complaining about how bad vomiting looks in movies. Yeah. That when the old lady vomits three times in a row, like a full projectile, a full volume vomit in full, one... Full, full face camera. Full like face full, camera, 
One not turned away from the camera. Shot, she's moving in between vomits. <laughs> I don't know how they did it. Yeah. There should get a there should be a technical Oscar for the vomiting effect. Yeah, that should have been in vis- visual effects. I think if we had a, if we were doing visual effects, that would Triangle of Sadness would be in there. That would be my winner. That would be yeah. my winner. It's incredible. Yeah. I knew a lot of people were complaining, oh, yeah, so the rich are, yeah, throwing up. Yeah, how creative is that? I'm like, no, the the, the thing isn't the, necessarily vomiting. It's their inability to acknowledge that anything could possibly be wrong. And they have to pretend like it's not happening. It's like Mr. Yeah. Creoso. I mean, but it's yeah, like, exactly. but a room full of it. <laughs> the room full of it. I love how everyone just kind of walks with like, like oh, we're just going to pretend that none of this is actually happening in yeah. front of us. And and just those they keep cutting from the, the, the mop bucket going back and forth in the hallway. It's yeah. just amazing. That that editing and that's I mean that's why they, yeah. they got their nomination is for this sequence, primarily. Yeah. I mean it's it's amazing. Um it would be the sequence of the year, um, except for the one that literally brought tears to my eyes hmm. from the beauty of the filmmaking alone. It's not like a character thing. It's not a plot thing. But in Top Gun Maverick, when they're training in the endless training montage and when they 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 can't do it and they give up hope and Maverick breaks, I forget, some rule. He has to break a rule. He's Maverick. <laughs> to get in the cockpit, to show him how it's done. And it can be done. To can be done. And he's doing he's doing the trench run, and I will talk more about the trench run and all the <laughs> complaints about this, and how I won't have it. I'm not having it. Right. <laughs> it's fine. Who cares? But he, you know, he's running through a virtual trench. Right. You're just seeing it right. in graphic, but like the cutting between him and the graphic of what the the course that he's running that's not there. Right. right. That he's that's simulated. And John Hamm watching in the cockpit. John Hamm watching his his reaction. The students getting inspired by it. The music, and just like Tom Cruise, like greatest pure movie star of of my lifetime. Um, talk about like this where this whole span is in my lifetime. Um, just like rocking it. With like pure Tom Cruise-ness on screen <laughs> and tears just came to my eyes. You know, we talked about uh, it's a it's a movie a lot like Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah. We talked a lot, we raved about the perfect lap sequence. And this yeah. is the perfect lap times ten for me. Like Oh wow. I, it just I I was so happy. So happy <laughs> I was seeing something made this well. <laughs> that I I've never cried for that reason alone. Just like it was a Stendhal syndrome, like kind of, kind of. I I was just ecstatic at the that's at awesome. the craft, pure craft. Oh, that's awesome! I like hearing you talk about that. I had that in my next five as you know proof the mission can be done. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, I call the Maverick shows him how it's done. <laughs> I like hearing you talk about that. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. Um, all right. I like um, the way you talk. I like the way you talk. <laughs> so moving on to um, 
best animated feature. Now, I have to confess, I didn't see a whole lot of animated movies this year. So I don't have a ton to commit to um, talk about this. I didn't get to see Pinocchio or Sea Beast or... And I refuse to say that Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is an animated feature. It is a live-action movie with animated characters in it. <laughs> oh, well, I don't you're know. Not, you're why. not going to like some of my choices. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have much to say about this one, but we'll go. So I'm not considering Marcel for this one. So go. Uh, okay. Um, so Siggy, what are your you've disqualified best animated features? Best Top animated five features. animated. I only features. saw four. Um. And you may think I saw fewer than that. Uh, <laughs> my number four is Turning Red. Um, it just didn't. The whole second act just didn't make any sense to me. That we're supposed mm. to be thrilled by, like, the fantasy that we're living out through these characters, and them living out their fantasy, is that they are running secret photo ops. Photo ops. It's a movie about <laughs> photo ops. Oh right. Oh I, yeah. Okay. Now I remember. Have your have your picture taken with some <laughs> with the mascot. That's it. Like, boy, these kids are gonna cream if they ever go to Man's Chinese Theater or Times Square. <laughs> um. Yeah, that didn't work for me. Uh, number three. Avatar: The Way of Water. No, I. You know what? I'll I'll allow it. I haven't seen it, but um, when I was everything I look at, I was like, this just looks like an animated. Movie. It does look like an animated movie. It's <laughs> Is there any live action in it? I mean, it's, it's rotoscope. Well, Spider and uh, that general guy for oh, so they are in it. okay a few minutes and um, I don't know, bunch of jerks. Uh, uh, number two is Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh, been wanting to see that one. And number one is Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Which how was that? Rocks. It does. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of its style is ripped off from (coughs) Spider-Man into the Spider Verse. But guess what? What? The style of Spider-Man into the Spider Verse is awesome. And. True, yeah. It's okay with me if more movies look like that. <laughs> That's cool. It's also incredibly imaginative. <coughs> um, it's got this sequence in the middle. The second act is great because it's got a premise that it could just totally be satisfied with and it pushes it and pushes it to its potential and mm. makes it like personal and like character-based. Um, it's a really clever conceit and it's really mm. – it, 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 it's really fun um, and kind of thrilling the way they 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 push it. This the, a magic map. There's a magic map. That's all I'll say. Um, and then it's a, it's a cartoon kids movie about a midlife crisis that works as a midlife crisis movie. That's what I gained from the trailer, and I was actually got interested when I saw that. I was like, oh, really? Yeah. This, wow. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised and impressed with Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. So, Do I need to see any other Puss in Boots movies I to see this one? Yeah. Okay, great. I've, I haven't seen 
any Shreks past number two. You know, I don't think I have either. So, I loved it. I'll check it out. I wasn't going to. I'll check it out. So that's the Silver Siggy Puss in Boots last week. <laughs> uh, and so what, what are yours? What are yours, Wade? Well, I only have three. Okay. That I, the, that I, that qualify. Uh, so I'll say my number three is, uh, uh turning red. Um, yeah. I, 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 I really was taken by this. I actually liked the last half a lot. I, I actually liked the last half more than the first half. Cause I, I had to say I had to put it down at first and then I came back to it. Um, uh, we'll talk more about that later, though. Um, I number my second animated feature is the Bob's Burgers movie. Oh, I didn't see I, that. I am not a Bob's Burger movie, Bob's Burger show watcher. I don't think I've really I've seen maybe an episode or two, and it was okay. Yeah. It's cute, but I never think of going on my way to watch it. The Bob's Burgers movie is really fun. <laughs> It's oh, it's it's a real fun romp, and I don't think you need to see any of it. Uh, the other stuff. I've only I, seen a know. handful of the shows, and I like it, but I just I'm like I yeah. don't watch many TV shows, and I'm, exactly. I'm gonna not watch one where I think the characters are ugly, but I think the voice acting is yeah. hilarious, <laughs> and, right, well, and the script. I like the scripts. I didn't realize this. I had to go back and check, but uh, three brothers. Uh, Basically, there's three brother characters that are that are the people who are the landlord to the restaurant. Okay, and um, I can't remember their names. It's fish something. I don't remember what it is, but they are in the series, and they're played by Kevin Klein, Zach Galifianakis, and David Wayne, and they are hilarious. I think you'll you'll enjoy yeah. them. Uh, you know, anything with David Wayne, you'll you'll I'm sure you'd enjoy. I, I, but I was like Zach Galif- I love both of them. And I was like, Kevin is did Kevin Klein just do this for the movie? And I went and looked up. No, he's been doing the show the whole time. Too. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm like, really? And he almost made it. You know, I I think he turns in a great vocal performance. And one of my favorite lines of the year was he. When, <laughs> <laughs> the mom whose name I think Louise I can't I think it's Louise is the name I don't remember who the mom's name is but she asks him if they can not pay rent this month uh, and if that would be possible uh, uh, to keep the store alive and the, the, Kevin's client's response is well um, I'm of two minds and by that I mean drunk <laughs> 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 um so yeah bob's burgers movie actually even better than the bob's burgers movie is a bob's burgers short which you can see on youtube and hbo max i think it's on youtube called my butt has a fever and that's a four and a half star short film I love my butt has a fever so much. Eugene Merman uh, leads that uh, as Gene. Is a rectal thermometer the, involved? Perhaps? Well, it's a high school talent show, and it's singing the song <laughs> "My Butt Has a Fever." Oh, oh uh, okay. and so it, you check it out if you if you can. It's so good. Okay, um, it's so delightful. Uh, but my number one animated feature is uh, Phil Tippett's Mad God. Oh yeah, I didn't see that. It's 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 not an easy watch. 
I'll put it that way. Yeah. But um, the only thing I can will say about it is uh, Walter Chaw said it best. Film critic Walter Chaw said it best was he says perhaps the most impressive and horrifying thing about it is that I couldn't tell you what this movie's about, but I just know it. It's like it 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 speaks to you on a level without language. Hmm. On such a primal level that, like, I couldn't tell you a single thing about this movie, but I know it so viv- uh, so deeply. That sounds like a challenge uh, as, a, yeah, as it, a writer. It's true. As our, as our most um, insightful, insensitive writer of movies right now, I think. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, um, yeah, I feel the same way. That writer Mad of God movies, is a writer on movies, although right. I'd love to see a movie Walter wrote. Yeah. Um, anyway, Mad God is, is a real, uh, I had to watch it in three sessions, so I can't tell you what a full experience of it would be. And there's one section, you know, he's, Phil Tippett made it over 30 years, Yeah, I think, uh, and it sent him to the, um, it sent him to the, to the asylum. He had to go stay at a facility for a while. He was kind of driven mad by it. And, um, he, um, I hope uh, he's driven to God by it next one of the oldest and the cinematography in it is gorgeous uh except there's one section that he obviously made the furthest time a long ago and that's a little hard to watch there's a lot of like scooping of organs onto the floor that kind of goes on a little long okay uh but uh he's um, that's why i didn't win for best editing <laughs> right exactly but if you but just to watch the main character uh, the not the main character because there is no main character just to watch the um, uh, the this figure move through the land, it's just I, I I wish more movies looked like that. So anyway, it's something else. So that's that's my number one. Okay, and hopefully I'll get to see more more animated films, and I'll get back to you on that. And when I said I hope <laughs> Phil Tippett's driven to God, I meant in a enlightenment way, not in a right, right, mortality right. way. Mm. All right, we're going on to a You Watched It Wrong original category of we did best sequence before, now we're doing best scene. Yes. Although, Academy, if you want to steal these, please do. Please do. Now, this is where uh, Siggy's not going to be proud of me. I have sectioned off five. Good. That's what we agreed to. I'm going to read more than five (laughs) because I have to. And I have a lot more than that, but I'm going to stick it at 12. You know, I had more than five that I liked, too. Would you like to read those as well? I would encourage it. Well, maybe I didn't type them down because that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Okay, I'll take it. I'm going to go real quick. Okay. Okay? Let's see if you can time me on this. Ready? Here goes. Number 12. Um, Record producer Tony calls from... From Weird Al, the Al Yankovic story, okay. uh, Tony calls Weird Al to let him know that Michael Jackson just released a parody of his song, Eat It, called Beat It. It's a brilliant turn in the screenplay. Number 11, Emily the Criminal. Emily gets robbed and takes it back. Um, that was a rousing scene. Oh, yeah. Number yeah. 10, Triangle of Sadness. Who caught the fish? The discussion of, like, how is this going to work uh-huh. now? Uh-huh. Because she's doing everything and you guys are doing nothing. Uh-huh. Number nine, Jupe's tour of Gordy's home in the, 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 the Gordy's home secret room. That's just mm, chef's kiss. Um, number eight, the, uh, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. The Christian Dior staff finds a way to let Mrs. Harris stay 
for her couture fittings. Just, I was in tears, just blubbered the whole time. <laughs> Number seven, the death of Mona Lisa in Glass Onion, the Knives Out mystery. Oh, I love that so much. Oh, and then finally, number boy. six. Uh, that, what? That's the part I'm mad about is, okay, well, we'll get to that. Oh, we'll get to that. And then number six, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. <laughs> when NASA finds that Beavis and Butthead have been staying up the space docking controls all night. And they think, oh, these guys are amazing. They're prodigies. We've got to send them on the next mission. But they're just there because it just makes it look like the machines are fucking. Wait, how is that movie not on your animated list? Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> I totally missed it. We'll put that at number three. So it's Turning Red, Beavis and Butthead. Okay. Bob's Burgers and Mad God. All right. So now, so that wasn't too long. Okay. So my number five, best scene. Um, convenience store non-robbery from On the Count of Three. There's a, it's a scene where one of them has been injured. They go to a convenience store to get uh, gauze pads and Band-Aids and stuff. And the guy's working behind the counter has been not listening. He's kind of a jerk. He's, I gotta, he's not ringing them up. So anti-gun, severe anti-gun Christopher Abbott runs to the truck to get the guns they were going to kill themselves with and forces him to take their money to give him the stuff. <laughs> and the whole thing is like when you ignore people, it hurts, you know? Mm. And then when he walks out, the, Christopher, the Chris, Chris, Kevin's character was upset that uh, his friend brought them guns to kill each other with because he doesn't like guns. He goes, I'm kind of, I'm an anti-gun guy. Why would you, now you're giving me a gun to like, this kind of, it's just mixed messaging. That's all. <laughs> And so when he walks out of the store, he's like, oh, these guns are amazing. How are these legal? <laughs> and then and then some people in the parking lot see him. And this is one of my f- number two favorite line of the year. The old couple gassing up ga- gasp. And he said he looks at them and sees them getting scared. And he's like, hey, read your constitution. It's my right to bear this arm for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> So, great scene. Number four, from the Bob's Burgers movie, mm. buried alive in a clam car. <laughs> the whole family is buried alive in a car shaped like a clam. And uh, this has been on my list for a long time, and I went back to check to see if it still was as good as I thought it was. It totally is. It's, I bet it's even better if you've watched the whole series, because I've never seen a more, it's all dialogue, really. But it's like more minute-to-minute rapid-fire jokes and more um, really intimate, moving, inspirational stuff, like just interchanging with each other. It's an incredibly funny, moving – it's a brilliant scene. It's really great. Um, Number three, I had (sighs) – This wasn't on my list at all for a while because it bothered me. But I went back and I looked at it, and I've really come to appreciate it. It's the scene. It's from Tar. Oh, finally, one I've seen. (laughs) It's the scene. It's the one-take scene where Lydia and her student Max discuss Bach and I don't listen to old white people Uh, music. This is my number two also. (laughs) (laughs) It was my number three. Yeah, it was my number three. Oh. Uh, But, yeah. So we can talk about yeah. So so, 
I I didn't like this one at first because it made me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But having mm-hmm. looking at it again later, I realized there's so much going on, mm-hmm. and a lot of and, and it's like it's like your allegiance can, is really with neither of them in terms of like there's just it's it's a really impressive piece of writing, directing, camera. And um, everything. So, like, that's it's 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 a it's a tremendous scene that then has certainly reverberations throughout the rest of the thing. I'm sure we'll talk about it more when we get to yours. Agreed on all counts. Number two uh, in the movie after Yang, which is a nice meditation movie about a a family who has a. um, um, This is when you have artificial humans that you can buy and live with you. And they bought uh, they had bought a secondhand model for their Asian daughter because her parents are not Asian of Asian descent, but their adopted daughter is, and they wanted to get an Asian looking robot so that she could connect with her heritage. But now the robot has stopped working, and they're trying to figure out what they actually do as a family now. And um, there's a scene where the robot Yang asks Colin Farrell who owns a tea store and does specialty fine teas. And it's this thing about why do you like tea? And Colin Farrell has to talk about why he's kind of forced to kind of think, why do I like tea? Because he's, he wants to like tea and he wants certain journeys that he's heard about, but can't, hasn't actually experienced yet. It's really a beautiful scene. It's one of my favorite things of this year. Okay. Um, Is it like the Pinot Noir scene in Sideways? Uh, I don't remember, that scene, <laughs> so I can't tell you. Then, but my yes. number one scene, the scene that had me a uh, blubbering pool on the floor, is the um, at the end of Everything Everywhere All at Once, the parking lot of the laundromat scene. Mm. These specks of time is. Uh, um, uh, joy, wanting just to go, and you know, let me go, and then the, and then uh, Evelyn. Uh, that whole ending scene is just gorgeous. I love it so much. So that's my number one. Beautiful. I'll start beautiful. crying if I talk anymore. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'll I'll allow myself two extra credit. Please, ones. I encourage it. Um, my number seven would be Becoming Wolves in The Northmen. I talked about it in that episode. Yeah. I love that scene. I expected that one. Uh, my number six is Benoit Blanc wins the game in Glass yes! Onion. <laughs> I had that on my list too. Yeah. yeah That's so much fun. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, it was birdie. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. And then you think, oh, is the movie over? Like that's <laughs> Because <laughs> not only it's funny in its own right, but it's also it feels like it fucks with the structure of the entire movie. Well, what's well? He, he later says, "I I disrupted your game for a pur- on a purpose." Yeah, you know. Well, we find and, out why. Yeah, 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 exactly. And disruption, another another thing of that movie. <laughs> right. Oh, very good. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like so. What's Darun. happening now? I love that <laughs> moment where you, you 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 know you've run off the track, but you know you're in good hands. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are always thrilling moments. Um, Okay. My number five, uh, we had some overlap here. My number five, uh, I called it Who's the Captain? 
from Triangle oh, of Sadness. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was the captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they showed it. It was it was her. Uh, well, she should she could have been nominated. Um, she she was on my I short expected list. her too. Yeah. Um, uh, great part. <clears throat> I think okay. the, that um, that first mate, the uh, Berlin, the blonde. Yeah, she's first really good. Mate, she's really good too. She was on my list for a while. Yeah. Too. Okay, number four. Uh, she kind of disappears at the last stretch of the movie, though. It's disappointing. Yeah. Number four, um, if you brought tears to my eyes, Sammy shows his mom the footage. Oh, the, the, yeah. The part in the closet, but really the part when she comes out of the closet yeah. where, you know, I didn't know the biography, the biographical elements of it, but where where, where you find out <laughs> she, right. where she doesn't – she didn't know what you thought she – you thought she yeah. was doing something consciously, and she—you see her just learn about it, you know. Yeah. Um, and that really feels like the stool being pulled out from under you. Um, in that moment, that's a great scene. I also like that the scene, like it's—it feels like it's the gentlest way to do to let her know this. Yeah. But it's also the most violent. It's it's also kind of cruel. <laughs> Yeah. The way he sits her in there. And I think it's kind of the mistake the movie makes is it shows you – it shows you – it shows him discovering it first. And it shows mm. so much of the footage during that part that I feel like – I feel like that the scene in the closet would be more powerful if you'd seen less of it earlier. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I have to think about that. I love the Fablemans. I feel it's, I feel like there's some more potential in there, but I don't want to. You be, know, but I'm trying. I don't think, being negative. There I am being negative. Yeah, and I, I don't think enough. I've not heard one person talk about Seth Rogen in that movie. I thought he was great. I I you know what I was expecting to hear his name in your uh, best uh, supporting actors list. He was he very was, good. He, well. So was, was Paul the, Dano. That's my favorite Paul Dano performance. Yeah. Well, yeah. was my number six. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, the the first time the Fablemans got me was the scene where on the sidewalk where uh, Barry um, tries to give him the camera as a gift. Yeah, the last time he sees him, you know that yeah. that's the scene that really got me. <laughs> yeah, because Seth Rogen plays it so perfectly with like. The Seth Rogen is like I'm the life of the party kind of guy. I always say the right thing at the in the right cadence so that everything is right. But then underneath all that, you saw all that need. Like I need I need you to be okay, Paul, and I need you to be okay for your mom. Yeah. You know, all that you know, he saw all that. Yeah. Really good. No, it's great that's a great scene. <laughs> um so that's my number four. Not that one, but the showing the footage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the number three. Uh, this is very basic. It's the it's the Oscar clip scene, but you should be nice. The Banshees of Inisherin, where yeah. you know uh, Colin Farrell's character has gotten fed up. He's gotten drunk. We're playing on our notions of Irish stereotypes, which Jimmy Kimmel would feel no <laughs> compunction about getting cheap laughs with on uh, live television. Uh, there were a lot of Irish nominees this year. There were, Tons. there were, but the uh, Irish the whole... fighting—you know—you you, you, yeah. you walked over there and you expect, 
you expect something like that and it just like it goes in the complete opposite direction um and then it's also very funny but it's very moving it's a uh, wonderful performance by Colin Farrell in the scene and Brendan Gleeson. Um, yeah. Uh, and it sets up a great scene between uh, – with uh, – what's her name? Um, Carrie Condon. Carrie Condon. Thank you. Uh, I, that, that, one, that one got me. That one stuck with me. Uh, yeah. no, my number two is Lydia's guest lecture um, at Juilliard. Like you said, it's very complicated. And she's making – she's making an anti-woke argument or on the surface an anti-woke argument. But she's making it so convincingly and she's actually landing like really good observations in it, right? Like she's not not being set up to puppet like a bunch of bullshit – like she's actually articulating a really strong, convincing argument, right? For the work, it's the work that matters. Like genius is genius, and if you allow yourself to be blinded to it by other things, that's your loss and your problem. Um, right. And good luck being taken seriously as an artist if you can't recognize important art or quality art. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and just that line, like when when you're up there, do you want to be judged for your skill and your craft or something else? What do you want to be yeah. judged by, right? And it's a devastating, it's a devastating argument. Um, and and she's making an argument for separating the art from the artist, and making a really strong argument. And then the rest of the movie is about how her attitudes show like she that she causes a swath of destruction with her work that right. compromises her art <laughs> you know yes. it's that's that's what the movie's about is that she 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 compromises her art through her terrible behavior <laughs> and that if she had See, been a better person she could have made better art <laughs> and more you know of it. what i have to reevaluate this movie because i saw i didn't see the connection between that scene and the rest of the movie so now that you've said that right there, that's that's wonderful. See, I, I I was I was fascinated because she's making yeah you're saying she's making the anti woke argument very very well yeah. In fact, one of my favorite I was uncomfortable with the fact that one of my favorite lines of the year, which if we were doing that category, I have a list. Was number <laughs> five was her line saying, "Don't be so eager to be offended. The narcissism of small differences leads to the most boring conformity," which. I and, think she's got a great point. And she's got a great point. Yeah. But the thing that she's the thing that she's not letting she's not acknowledging is that when he says I don't want to I don't want to listen to old white guy music, which he says he's nowhere near as articulate as she is mm-hmm. about expressing these points of view and ends up feeling humiliated and angry and leaves yeah. and of course leaving her on top. But with an anti-woke you know, you know, sentiment, and she can't like, let it go. She's she like can't let it dog. go. Yeah, it's like she, like he, he, she literally almost chases him out of the room, right? Because he, she's like, "I'm right, and I'm going to keep being right." And uh, yeah, and 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 the thing is that what she's not acknowledging is that when she keeps saying, she keeps saying, "Look, you're judging him on on skin color, 
uh, you wouldn't like it if they did that to you. But the reason the reason why he doesn't want to deal with old white guys is that old white guys do judge him for his skin color. <laughs> and I'm trying to eradicate that type of celebration from my life, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is completely valid. Completely valid. If you don't want, you know, if you don't want to listen to, to someone, despite his genius, which you may or may not agree, um, you know, if you don't want that in your life, then you don't want that in your life, and that's fine. <laughs> so it's it's a, it's a I thought it was a it, it it's a scene that haunts me, and I keep coming back to it and looking at it, and then to excuse me, analyze the blocking of that scene. Yeah, to go back and look at like. How she's dominating him visually, and how when she's on the same level with him, mm-hmm. and how, when she's small in the frame, big in the frame, it's it's incredible. That moment it didn't make yeah. my list because I didn't want to double dip. But that moment when she stops his knee from bobbing, yeah. you know, that's when she's mm-hmm. like, "Blood in the water, I'm going for the kill." Like you're not right. you're not squirming your way out of this. Which immediately made me go, oh, that's so inappropriate. Don't do that. I uh-huh. knew that was going to come back to, to, to get her. But at the same time, that's also a great thing of, of what she's not like. She's like, makes his legs stop shaking. That's him, her controlling him, his body for her comfort. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Stop shaking. Right. And so, uh, yeah. And, and then making the thing of like, you must accept old white guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah great scene it's brilliant scene. yeah there's it's so complex there's so much going on there um and it's it just speaks to the moment in a way i don't know if any other moment in any other movie did for me um mm. but number one my the number one best scene is the gordy attack the the long yeah. version um yeah, the fact that we have to watch it again, I was like, no. Yeah. But it's undeniably – continue. And it's just like shocking. Like I thought I was seeing a UFO movie, <laughs> you know. Um, if this scene wasn't in here, you wouldn't – I mean this movie is, is – it stands on its own as a brilliant piece of work and a terrifying, suspenseful – Haunting yeah. <laughs> that shoe standing up. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the first image of the movie, too, isn't but it? The the fact, yeah, but the fact that it forces you to interrogate what what is, is doing in this movie <laughs> without giving you any right. answers, but it's more so, like showing you, it's like pointing to the rabbit hole that you have to go down. <laughs> To figure out what this movie is actually saying. Because if you don't think about what – how Gordy connects to it and how Steven Yun's character connects to what's happening with the ship, like you don't understand like what this has to do with the horse at the beginning. You know what I mean? Right. Like it it, it ties it all together because it forces you to think about it. And so many people just drop it. They go yeah. like, I don't understand what that's about. Too hard. Why is that in the movie? Too hard. And they just abandon. But you're right. No, that's showing the door. It's the key to the whole movie. Yeah. But it's not the key that you can immediately understand. You have to go down that hole. Yep. You're right. It's the door. It's pointing to the door. Like, go down here and think about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why amazing. did I put this in this movie? Hmm? Mm-hmm. You tell me Lydia Tarr now lecturing you. <laughs> Making you look dumb in front of the class. 
yeah. I loved it. I, I I absolutely loved it. I loved that he I, that Jordan Peele trusted us that much. Yeah, challenged us. Uh, it's great. I mean, I mean, the fact that Jupe, after the experience he had, where the 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 animal killed or mortally damaged everybody, and then sees him comes up to him and wants to fist bump right before he's Mm -hmm. killed. That feeling of you could interpret, you could, you could suppose that that would give him a sort of unjustified (coughs) feeling that I have control. I have a special control with animals or something that allows him to then go, think he can do the same thing with this creature in the sky. Yeah. Or and, make uh, him want to relive his trauma with this creature, you know. Right. Re-experience and, it. And OJ's always saying... <clears throat> right. And OJ's always saying every animal has rules. And, you, you know, you can't... You can't predict. You, you are living with them and you... you know, it's just... Yeah, you're right. It's just such a fucking brilliant movie. And the fact that so many people just dismiss the Gordy stuff as being like confusing is so sad to me. Yeah, <laughs> but you're right. I'm non-sequitur. glad that a non sequitur. Yeah. I'm so glad that uh, uh, Jordan, you're like you said, Jordan Peele trusted us enough to put that in there that way. Brilliant. I apologize. I got a, something in my throat. Oh wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's okay. Uh, I I took my boys to see it. Well, not. Floyd, because he doesn't like horror, but uh, the twins really Sorry. wanted to see. Well, Theo is a big horror fan, um, and so we just saw it, the two of us, and then we we both agreed that we thought his brother, his twin, would like it. So we took um, we we took them and Seymour, and uh, and Gid really didn't. Uh, really couldn't take the tension and he was like covering his eyes and his ears and then like saying during the movie like when is this Gordy shit gonna end <laughs> and I felt really bad and I thought I had misjudged yeah. and then afterwards he said um, that he thought it was great he just couldn't he just oh, he yeah. found it unbearable but he thought it was amazing um, which is a weird <laughs> You know what? I have to say I agree with him yeah. because when I saw it, I was more terrified than I'd ever been in my entire life <laughs> at any movie. And I, I wasn't like, when's it going to end? I was just like so terrified. But then after it was over, I was like, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, he and I are on the same wavelength. wavelength. All right, wavelength. now we're getting into the writing parts. Yay, writing. Um so, not, uh, this is the category of Best Adapted Screenplay. Mr. Lamar, hit us with your top five. Okay. This was hard to fill out. It's work, you know. If you don't just go with what other people picked, then you have to <laughs> figure out <laughs> what's adapted and how and whatnot. Um, but here's my five. Okay. Uh, number five mm-hmm. is a very, incl- uh, uh, very enjoyable, very clever script with for me one huge flaw and that is ryan johnson for glass onion uh this would be higher except the big climactic moment 
spoiler alert, involves destroying the Mona Lisa, and I'm supposed to feel good about that? Oh, I loved it. (laughs) I feel great about it. I'm supposed to think that was a good choice by by our hero, by this character we're entirely sympathetic with up to this point. Like, oh, no, I completely, I, I was 100% on board with that. Um, it's a movie. <laughs> it's, the it's, a, it's not like, it's not his. <laughs> I know, but he'll go down for it. Okay, but. Honestly, to me, that whole bit was, they killed my sister. I'm not killing him. But I will destroy him, and that's all that matters. And if it and if it matters that some dusty old white guy's painting from the years ago gets thing in order to do it, then um, God damn it, it's gonna excuse happen. Excuse me, the dusty old white guy doesn't care. The <laughs> millions of people who like to look at the Mona Lisa are the ones oh, who I are was, hurt by this act. I I, I was so one hundred percent with that. It was so joy. It was joyous to me. Someone burns the negative of of knives out and brick at the climax <laughs> of the movie, and all okay. you know, and you're you're not going to feel good about that. It's not a feel good moment. Oh, t- completely disagree. One hundred percent wrong. <laughs> I'm not trusting you around my valuables. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Okay, um, so that's number five. <laughs> number four, um, Dan Greger and Doug Mand for Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which oh wow, I thought was a surprisingly fun and clever movie, which I assume has a lot of goodies to offer for people who are fans of that cartoon, which I never watched. Um, but I, I, I really uh, I had a good time. My number three is Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill for The Black Phone, adapted oh. from the, the Joe Hill novel. I really liked The Black Phone. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I remember you saying so. Uh, I really I really dug that. And you know what I really like about it is if you want a horror movie you can feel comfortable showing to children, it's The Black Phone. Like It's really like wow. – it's a great kids horror movie. It, there's an abduction plot, and um, it's scary, and it does get a little intense, but it's like – I think it's just like pitched just right for like preteens, hmm. and I really ex- respect that. Um, I really – and I thought it was a very effective. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I, I like the Black Phone a lot. I thought about that movie a lot after I saw it. In fact, I cool. might – I told the twins I thought it'd be good for them, and then I watched a lot of it when they watched it, and I enjoyed it all over again. Cool. I'll have to check it out. It's been on the online for a while, and I'm like, I should check that out. My number two is um, Sean and Robert Eggers for The Northmen, adapted from a bunch of legends and, and epics and myths. And Hamlet, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> um, but I, well, you can go check out our episode on that. And my number one is a whole bunch of guys for uh, Top Gun Maverick, 
I just, a whole I just, bunch of guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll read their names. Aaron Kruger, uh, Eric Warren Singer, and Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, I, I just thought it was... It wasn't... I mean, someone tells you they're making a, a, a legacy sequel to Top Gun... And you just expect garbage, and instead we got yeah. like a really good and at points moving, like it it paid tribute to the original in like a really nice way, while um, also making it look like a piece of shit. Because I <laughs> I watched Top Gun after seeing Top Gun Maverick, and I'm like, this movie's terrible. Oh yeah, it's so much better. <laughs> it's so much better than the original. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like it so much the first time I saw it, but I watched it again and going, no, this is it, awful. It grows up. like it. Um, the way it handles, just to point out one thing, like the way it handles Maverick's relationship with uh, um, Jennifer Connelly's character. Yeah. Which, you I know, dug, dug obligatory. Oh, she was mentioned once, and so we're going to make this a reference. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be. It could just be whatever. Right. Um, but the fact that how unpointedly it it puts her in a position over him to even where like there's the sailing scene it was just like one of these nice little touches where okay we're going to build some romance but we're going to put them in a context where she knows more and is more comfortable than him and he's game he's not intimidated by that he's you know uh he's but he you know, she knows sailing and he doesn't, but he's going to help out. But she's in charge and he knows it. You know, it was just like yeah. a little. It was like a little scene dropped in there. I mean, it could have just been so perfunctory, but it it does this character work. It you know, in a movie that is has a lot of like you know red blooded male American <laughs> uh, values yeah. for the meat of it, like. Here's a little bit that shows so, uh, like a little yeah. sensitivity to yeah. to gender issues. Like so I, I much thought it was so meat. smart and like balanced. Yeah. And also smart in the way that it had so much red meat that the we totally aren't thinking about the uh war crimes and that the, the end basically commits. <laughs> you know, it's I mean, the international uh, 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 incident that it causes, but you know, yeah, who cares? It's all right. This is great. So it's like so it's like Top Gun, and you could you right. could take this as a criticism. I I think it's like its own kind of genre thing, where it's like it's not. People complain about like they don't never say what country it is. They don't say what country it is in the first one, right? Yeah, I don't. It, you know, it takes place it, in a fantasy world where right. Noble soldiers are possible, and there are noble fights you can fight. And that's to its credit, I think. I think that's a very, very smart, almost necessary decision because too much – it would get bogged down in political stuff after otherwise. It's, you know? And it's doing the same thing that every World War II movie does. Like this was right. the good war. You don't have to think about why we're fighting it. You know, <laughs> You never even have to see a Nazi or a German – you know, right. you, you know you're in World War II. You know that it's okay to fight. You know it's okay to be yeah, courageous yeah. and to be brave and to have valor and all this stuff. And so it's a fantasy. It's just moving that to a modern world so we can tell a similar kind of story with modern technology and focus on the characters and you know the American side of it. And it, you know it's like it's it's genre work. It's not 
Right. You know, and I'm 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 okay with that as long as it does everything else well. Right. <laughs> and at that, I completely agree. And Top Gun Maverick does everything else excellently. So, um, yeah, that that I thought it was a fantastic script. That's my number one. And that was your number one, correct? Yeah. Well, we can keep talking about it because that's my number five. Okay, good. <laughs> I was surprised how how few adaptions really caught my eye this year. Because um, I was like, am I really giving this to Top Gun Maverick? But I have to think about it and like all the points you just said. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's a solid, great script. So, you know, yeah, high marks. Number five. That's my number five. My number four is uh, three people. For Don't Worry Darling. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Convince me. Yes. I I loved (laughs) Don't Worry Darling. It is a profoundly wrong movie. (laughs) (laughs) It it is a clear failure (laughs) that I I, I disagree. That I adored. I, I disagree. I don't think it's a failure. Oh I think there's a couple of subpar elements. There's definitely one scene the studio mandated to be stuck in, I'm guessing, which is horrific. Which scene is that? So I don't count I don't count that against the screenplay cuz I just know it's the scene that ties up Frank's storyline, Chris Pines, where his wife no, where his wife the, stabs him. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. That was like Dumb as shit. <laughs> it was dumb as shit. <laughs> because it starts, okay, we know we got a whole new story we're going to think about. And what are we going to do with that? Nothing. And it's in um, the section of the movie that's dumb as shit, <laughs> in the, my opinion. Yeah, the I, 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 I think Olivia Wilde did an excellent job directing the movie. I, I don't think the action part is her forte there, but True. I don't think it needs to be. Um, there, I, I can debate lots of clumsier elements about that. The ending of that movie, for sure, I completely, completely acknowledge that. I don't think it's a failure, and uh, I really like what it has to. Say. It's one of those movies where I dig what it has to say so much that I'm I let so much go. So uh, that's why it's here in screenplay and not, not in pictures. Just like the thing where, okay, the plane crashes on the mountain and then she's going to uh-huh. go walk up a mountain in her flip-flops. Like, it didn't do the basic work of motivating her up to the top of that mountain. Mm. It looks great. Maybe. It's interesting. It it makes zero sense. I, I think there's a lot to be thought about when in the fact that what you what you just come to discover later what her current actual state is so if her state is in that particular context it's probably easy to imagine you're you're not quite yourself in your own actions and motivations right so it's probably a war going on in there about curiosity versus context and all that stuff. So I, I was completely fine with that. Okay. I, I was more concerned about how. So the plane is the little toy plane. So how did that get through? What is that? <laughs> how did she see that crash? Ultimately, I guess it doesn't matter. But like it, sh- it should. I think. Anyway, Wait, can we hang I out here for done. a little bit? So sure. Yeah, yeah. So on my short list of best scenes of the year was the scene mm-hmm. in the kitchen between. 
Florence Pugh and Chris Pine, where he's oh. like, I know you suspect something, and I'm not afraid yeah. of you. Like in, in in essence, you know, she thinks, yeah. you know, she thinks she's onto something, and he's like, you can be onto all you want, sweetie pie, you know, because he knows, and he's yeah. really. He's so intimidating in that scene while doing it with this Chris Pine smile. Yeah. He's so good in that scene and He's it's so really tense. And Florence Pugh was great through the whole thing. Um, at, at, at that scene, I thought was amazing. Yeah. Followed immediately by the scene around the dining room table where she starts pointing out to people that everybody's story about how they met is the same. Mm. And – for me, like those two scenes don't connect at all, and like there was no uh, that would have been a good scene if it had been set up at all, and I didn't feel like it was. Like there was no, like, it, like uh, it's, I like, don't know I the idea that that they all had the same memory. Like just strikes her as a bolt that she's not shocked by in that moment. Like it was something we had seen her figure out and we hadn't. Oh, oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like I right, just yeah, yeah, felt yeah. like no, I, I hadn't think, laid I the, think the fact that she. I think that the fact that she calls it out is in response to Chris Pine, this earlier scene of Chris Pine saying, "You figure out all you want doesn't matter," and that infuriates her to to like not back down. But we, oh, yeah, we didn't really see her figure that out. Yeah, we have no idea that's in there to come out. Yeah, that's you know true. what I mean. Yeah, that's true. That's it's, it's things like that in this movie that you know I love the kitchen scene. I thought the dining room scene was really well done. It just didn't. It just wasn't. They didn't. Yeah, the groundwork wasn't. Laid. Yeah. I I wonder how much this went through. I wonder how much re-edits were demanded and how much was cut and how much was added. You know, I really do. I think even with it, it's it's it makes a, a fabulous. But I mean, like, I, I love the uh, making the short list of my scenes was the um, the walls closing in on her scene. Yeah, you know when the yeah, there's so much great stuff in it. I and 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 the thing I love the most about like like uh, what, what did you what did you 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 had said a couple of things that I thought was great um, in our previous conversations about it, um, and one of them was but one of them was or somebody had said that they they wanted to know what Chris Pine had on Harry Styles. Oh, you had said that the whole thing needs to work only works if you know Harry Styles loves his wife. That's true. Yes, like it, it has to work, and it does. And I think that comes across very yeah, well. That scene in the car where he, yeah, where he breaks down crying because he can't leave her. Uh, I don't remember exactly how it goes. Um, yeah, no, that's very effective. Yeah. I thought Harry Styles was good in this movie. I did too. I thought he was really good. Yeah. The, the whole opening scene is really great. The party scene they're having, yeah. bouncing the trays. On it. It's such a, oh, it gives you like, this is movies. This is what movies are supposed to be. You know, it really feels great. Yeah. And I just really love the fact that, I okay, if I take issue with anything about the directing and the writing, besides the previous things we mentioned, is that getting to the top of that hill and... Touching the glass doesn't seem to be the portal it is conveying. Like it doesn't. I don't. I don't see how the uh, the uh, imagery uh, and the mechan um, 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 alludes to the mechanics of what's happening. It doesn't make much sense. It doesn't feel like a door. It doesn't feel like a portal. It doesn't feel like anything like that. Yeah. 
it doesn't I love feel like that you're all learning the... the rules to anything. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. That, that part's not, not defined well. But I love the part that all the men get in the cars and they drive off in the desert and go somewhere. So you think it's some weird underground whatever. Yeah. But it's really them going back into the real life to work their shitty jobs to pay Chris Pine. You know? Which is, that they're going out. Just, and, it and, doesn't and, make any and, sense. No, it makes all the sense in the world. It's a, it's a parallel to what we're actually even doing. <laughs> it doesn't so make like, any sense as a scheme for Chris Pine. Like how how is he making no, money if they're working shitty jobs instead of like why? Well, I mean, uh, the, the the point is is like like this guy gets radicalized on the internet. Yeah, decides for his wife that she should be catatonic and totally controlled to the point where she's not you know has no decision over her actual life and but in order to do that they have to um they have to earn real money in the real world to pay him to control their women and so you know it's 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 like and give all that money to them so they can live in this virtual world together uh, at night, so he so, like, so in, he has to work a nine to five. Yes, he's lives he work, he lives in a shitty apartment, so he's not making that much money. So Chris Pine is right. not making that much money off of this guy. Well, we don't know what what connect. I, we don't know. We just don't know anything about that. Well, if he had a, I mean, he he. he but I don't think we need to because the part of the, the part, pieces don't add up. Part of the movie to me, part of the movie's strength is that. Is that once, like, the, the the impulse is to get into the details of the why and the how. But when you do, you start to rationalize the behavior. Or you could start to rationalize the behavior. The point is the behavior is fucked up. And we don't want anything to to, to rationalize that. It's just, so like, if you're going to build so, a... I, 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 yeah, I understand. I, the stuff you're talking, like, if Chris Pine's character had a shitty compound where... He, you know, was somehow was arranging to sing for changing Florence Pugh's bedpan and feeding her through a tube. But, you're and right. That forcing, would make a little more sense. Forcing Harry Styles to work for him as like free or cheap labor so that they could at night live in this fantasy land. I mean, what does Harry Styles sleep? He has to work during the day. He has to be nurse to his bedridden wife. Yeah, and then he has to party all day and night. See, part in the in the VR, like it, it doesn't add up, you know. Not, not to add my sympathies to the to the men in this movie, but I think part of the thing is is that the world societal manipulation that is happening, that is suppressing, that is designed to suppress women, is also shitty for the men too, and 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 it makes it makes their lives hard. They get resentful. Like I have to work this hard to provide it, and then she's mad that I control her every aspect of her life. I mean, come on! I the the, the themes all right. work. The the themes yes. all work. I I I like what the movie's saying in terms of making it all add up into a coherent whole. Right. It, it it doesn't. This was the rare... I'm saying this as like if sure. we're ranking our movies by would I want to rewatch it again right now? This movie's right. number two. Right. <laughs> 
I loved this movie. Yes, yes, I know you did. I think it's a mess. What, I wanted to have this conversation with you because we, we, we it's like you said, I love this movie. It's a mess and a failure. And I'm like, I love this movie and it's not. It works incredibly well the way it's supposed to. So, I, like, I love it that we're arguing over a movie we both love. You watched it wrong. Exactly. So, um, this, this is a movie where... The themes all uh, themes are all so working and so good that I don't really care about those other things, and that, usually I do. Usually I am pretty snippy about that. But like case in point, all I care about, all I care about for this movie is that once she goes through that weird ass non door portal or whatever <laughs> at the end, and she makes it, and then it cuts to black. And you hear her ga- her take a breath. <gasps> and then the title comes up and it's over. That breath is all I cared about. That she's back under her own control. Now, mm. if I... So, so to me, that's all that mattered about the movie. That she's out. She got out. And since Harry Styles is dead, he's not putting her back in. That's all I cared about. Now, if I really thought, if I thought about it for even a second, I'd go, no, wait a second. She's tied to the bed with a dead body next to her. <laughs> Eye clamps on and no one can get in the house. She's in a bit of a pickle. But you know what? I really don't care because all that mattered to me was that she was out. That was your Jeff Nichols moment. Yes, my Jeff Nichols moments. Exactly. Character got to where they needed to be. He, Emotionally. That's, that's all that mattered. Right. Yeah. Now, she'll probably die in the next day or two. But you know what? It's fine. <laughs> Unless a neighbor comes or whatever. Anyway, that was my number four. <laughs> <laughs> my number three is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Mm. By written by five peoples. Um, uh, starring former Siggy, Silver Siggy Award winner for Best Supporting Actress. That's right. Uh, Leslie Manville. Leslie Manville. I, I needed. Man, this movie was this exact. This movie was exactly what I needed when I saw it. It was everything I needed, and um, it's in a world I don't know, nor care about, nor interested in, and yet I found it so moving and so beautiful. The story is about a homemaker who, or not homemaker, a a maid whose uh, husband has been lost at war. And it's been like 20 years and she still hasn't got a telegram to say that he's dead specifically. Um, But then finally gets noticed that he has died. And with it, um, money comes. But not before. She's cleaning somebody's house. It's a rich person's house. And she sees a Christian Dior gown. And she's never seen anything like it. And she's immediately falling in love with it. And she goes, I'd like to get one of those. And she finds out how much they cost and they're terrible. It's like, oh, my God, (coughs) I can't do that. Pardon me. I'm so sorry. Then her husband's uh, dead husband's money comes in from the government. And so she says, I'm going to go get myself a Christian Dior gown. So she goes. And, uh, of course, she's kind of ridiculed by the head person and kind of whatever. But then the staff is so enamored with her that this... Ordinary young woman, not young woman, ordinary older woman, 
would have the balls to come and, and try to buy one of these that they all just wanted to have it. <laughs> so it's a movie of just people deciding to be kind and it working out. <laughs> it's lovely. I loved every minute of this movie. It's great. Also, Jason Isaacs is in it, and I don't know why that man's not a star. And he's got a really nice part. <laughs> so that's my number three. Okay. Check it out. It's on Pe- It's on Peacock for free right now, I think, oh. if, you, if you have a Peacock pres- uh, prescription, subscription. My number two adaptive screenplay is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Uh, it's adapted because it was a short film first. Okay. And I'm telling you, the, the things that resonate in this movie, um, dealing with loss... It's not just pleasant and delightful, which it totally is. It's a very human movie that is incredibly moving. And um, I don't know what else to say about it other than just everyone should see it. (laughs) Go see, get this movie. It's totally worth it. Jenny Slate voices um, and also co-wrote the screenplay. Oh, okay. She voices uh, Marcel and she's amazing. She's uh Jenny Slate also, uh, so she's in several, she's in at least two of the, my favorite movies of this year, Everything Everywhere All at Once yeah. and Marcel the Shell. She's got and, a very um, sexy nose. Yeah, I find her nose very attractive. <laughs> if, you, if you've ever, do you, are you, were you a Parks and Recreation watcher? A little bit. Uh, she she uh, would sometimes guest as... Um, uh, ben, oh, why am I blanking on the name? Ben Schwartz is uh, um, is that right? Yeah, no, Ben Schwartz is uh, Jean Ralphio is Jean Ralphio's sister. Oh, I don't know. thank you for hiring her. This is my sister, and she's technically the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've seen those. And she's great. If you look up supercuts on YouTube of them, okay, ah, so funny. Um, yeah, check it out. So my number one. This is a flip because your number five was Glass Onion and your number one was Top Gun. My number five was Top Gun. My number one is Glass Onion (laughs) because down with the Mona Lisa. (laughs) This movie is just so much fun. Oh, and it's 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 fun incarnate. I mean, every character I love. I I had most of them in all the acting categories. Dave Bautista. Ed Norton, Jessica Henwick, they were, Kate Hudson, they were all in the acting categories uh, at one point or another. And Daniel Craig, once he, he was the, the one that just got edged out because mm. he's mm. so good. He's good. Half my favorite lines are, are in this movie. Like um, the, the, real, the real stunner, the, uh, is, uh, it's a dangerous to mistake speaking without thought for speaking the truth, don't you think? And then Birdie's amazing comeback to that. So you think I'm dangerous? <laughs> I'm not getting any of what he just said. Um, I'm very bad at dumb things. <laughs> uh, you would lie for a lie, but you won't lie for the truth. Uh, this can't Shazam. It's a lamp. <laughs> just, just the best. There's no... No funner movie out there than than Glass Onion, I think. Um, so yeah, that's my number one. All right, controversial. 
<laughs> between us and between us. <laughs> so now it's best original screenplay. How about we go to other way? And I'll answer, and you call. Well, you know, I don't want one to feel more important than the other, so I'll just switch it up. How about that? Okay, all right, all right. I'll go with screenplay then. Um, my number five screenplay. It's a bit of a left turn. Um, it's a, a movie written by James Morosini, who also starred and directed. It's called "I Love My Dad." What you do? Mm-hmm. So, have you heard of this movie? Have you told him? Uh, no, I, I don't know. Wait, hold on. It, it's a surprising... I, I was surprisingly really taken by the, how good the script was. I Love My Dad is a movie about... Uh, stars Patton Oswalt and James Morosini. Hmm. Basically, this is a script he wrote based on what his dad actually did to him. Okay. Um, basically, in the story, his dad and him have a... Um, uh, uh, his dad wants to be in his life. He's cutting him out of his life. So his dad basically starts a Facebook account to find out what he's doing and ends up catfishing him almost by accident. Okay. <laughs> and then he falls in love with this online persona that she ha- that he has created. <laughs> he's created an online persona as a hot girl. And, uh, and things just go awry. But it's... It's really moving in a way because you can see both, you know, sides of why he desperately needs to be in his life, the father, Patton Oswalt, and why he does the son doesn't want to be in his life. <laughs> you know, it's and, and yet, um, and then it just comes. It's all. It's so cringe worthy, but yet it's also really well done. So good, yeah. good movie. I mean, it honestly sounds terrible when you like yeah. when you describe it like a mrs doubtfire type of and plus i've seen catfish and you know doing like that yeah it, it could sounds be terrible awful, but it's glad I'm, then when i saw it i was like oh my god this is a really good screenplay it's really it off. it's okay, really, that's they good. pull it off um number number four is turning red okay yeah um, it, uh, Your I, least favorite uh, animated film of yes, I think the screenplay is stronger than the film. Actually, uh, be, just just in the sense that I really like what the screenplay is doing. I really like where it goes and what it says. I was it, a lot of the movie isn't my aesthetic, like or, or isn't my like. It's very in your face <laughs> in the beginning. Hmm. It's very it's a, a, a an anime kind of style that I don't really uh, really care for, um, but I think the uh, parable was undeniable, and it was just a really strong, moving story. Uh, generational family. I really really liked the story of, of Turning Red, so I'm giving it a best screenplay. So, what do you think of the fact that the movie asks us to accept at face value that these girls quest? is to see a boy band mm-hmm. as if we haven't spent the last 20 years making fun of boy bands. Well, uh, because kids want to see the bands they like. <laughs> I mean, I, I, again, boy bands are not my aesthetic. But from a story point of view, this is what they want. You know what I mean? So I'm like, you know, kids want kid things. That's fine. So like, it just seems like there's like, a lot like, of mileage spent on them swooning over. It wasn't just like 
an arbitrary MacGuffin thing. Is like we spent right. a lot of time hearing them swoon over the boy band, and I spent a lot of time hearing girls in high, in elementary school and junior high swoon over boy bands. So it rang very true to me. Okay, all right. <laughs> so uh, you know, I was I was fine with that. But, but uh, honestly, so. I didn't know if you had a follow-up. Sorry. I don't. I okay. a question. You <laughs> gave an answer. answer. I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> uh, number three, uh, Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness. Mm-hmm. It's it's a marvelous piece of writing. My um, As for all the reasons we laid out before, I don't think I need to relitigate it. But uh, it, so one thing I forget is that it's one of the funniest movies of the year. I laughed all the way through it. Um, which is uh, also doubly funny for a movie that has sadness in the title. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My number two screenplay is Jordan Peele with Nope. Uh, For all the reasons that we already cited before. It's it's the the, the trust, the mystery, the the, everything about it is just masterful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then number one, Daniel's for everything, everywhere, all at once. I can't begin to count the number of ways that this story touched uh, and and me and made me the things that made me feel it's 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 so i feel like it's all rich and it all works and it all lands so you know number one screenplay that's moi. excellent well and what's yours sir mine uh, counting down, my number five is Jordan Peele for Nope. What? <laughs> um, so low? And here's my negative <laughs> Nelly is the two leads. I don't. And I, and I think this is why the movie didn't do better is that it's hard to form an emotional connection with the two leads. And I, think, I think it's harder to form a connection with them as a siblings, but I, I don't know. I didn't have that problem with OJ. I, I do. I mean, he's so closed off mm-hmm. and I mean, like the more traditional storytelling thing would be that their primary concern is living up to their father's legacy or... If it was more about saving the ranch, but saving the ranch kind of becomes secondary to just getting an image of the thing, right? right. And I understand that's the the theme of it is like the 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 consuming nature of creating images of of of, of flattening real real people into two dimensional images, but it he. he he tries to do it with the blue jeans, like naming the 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 creature in the sky after his sister's horse because she wasn't allowed to train the horse. But it's it's like that part is like just kind of hand waved or gestured towards and is kind of given short shrift. Like there's there's an emotional part of this outside of the jupe character, but like in your leads, who you're spending all your time with. It feels emotionally undeveloped to me, 
mm. in a way. If like he if he could have solved that, I think he could have had a blockbuster. Hmm. You know, um, it just feels like an untapped vein uh, in an, an otherwise like brilliant idea filled movie. It's in my top five. It's, it's, it's yes, a, it's absolutely. a great script, right? Um, but there's I just something mm, I just wanted to. Mm. I just wanted to have a little more. Um, well, that's how I was with Triangle Sadness. There's one part, and I'm going to just come up, discuss that a little bit later. <laughs> okay. Well, Triangle Sadness didn't make my top five because it words, you know, high floor. We talk about floors and ceilings. Like, that's a high ceiling movie. But if I if I want you to cut part one of your three-part movie, then I, that's, a, that's a problem. Okay. Uh, number four wow. is The Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, we we say this as a complaint about um, Christopher Nolan all the time is that he's got lots of ideas and he puts every single one of them in his movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's happening here. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's a, it's a wild ride. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, my number three is Park Chan-wook and Chung Seo-kyung. My apologies. I'm butchering that for a decision to leave. Mm. You know, people, I don't know why people are so dismissive of this movie. Like, oh, you know, yeah, you see know. again, 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 it's like lesser uh, Park Chan-wook. Uh, and so therefore they don't consider it anymore. I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? This movie's not competing with other movies by Park Chan-wook <laughs> right. this year. <laughs> I still thought it was a masterpiece. I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and the script is so... Um, Nobody gets hacked up in it? Oh, well, not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no hall fights in it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought... I, I thought it was... I thought it was a great... Noir is great psychological work. Um, just really unexpected, like how it plays yeah. with your sympathies and how... Um, where the, the zigs and zags. I won't get into it. I love that movie. Tang, Tang Wei made my short list for one of the acting categories. Plays the Would that be best lead actress, the category we haven't got to yet? Hmm. Uh, actually, I, did I have her in supporting? Oh, well, I, I could see... I could see I the argument. Be. I could see that argument. I don't know. I don't know if I... Uh, you know, I found her... Yeah, but didn't didn't make the cut. <laughs> uh, my number two for best original screenplay, Charlotte Wells for After Sun. Mm. Subtle, subtle work. Um, I don't know why I didn't think of her for this. That's crazy. Sorry, go ahead. I, 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 that's a great script. I think that's like these, these top two. I just think are scripts. I, I don't know how you sit down and successfully write scripts like yeah. this. You know, this seems like the hardest kind of writing. And my number one is Todd Field for Tar. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those are just so, um, I mean, Tar is got a little more plot, but after Sun knows how, just how much to tell you, like you say, mm. like other than in a shot that, in a, in a long shot, we see a character walk into the ocean. He could be going for a swim, Right. Like, it's so impressionistic about yeah. how it's forming the picture of this guy. The 
fact that he the fact that you it is conveyed to you that this guy is at the highest point of his low point on this right. trip right that like this is him struggling his hardest to be functional and so you're seeing him at, at his most functional during his low point yeah like the the, the way the you know, you see a couple books, you know, he does Tai Chi. Um, it's so indirect and subtle. I, I, I thought I, I thought it was just a, a masterwork of, of yeah. writing. And then Tar, um, it gives us the most distinctive, memorable character I've seen in a movie in a while. And drops you into the middle of this classical musical world and again has enough trust in you that if I I don't have to explain most of this I can just give you enough context and throw lots of jargon at you and throw you in the deep end but give you just enough of a floaty <laughs> that you're going to stay afloat um <clears throat> You know, it has my scene, one of my scenes of the year. Um, I, I, just, I thought it was so crisp. And then that ending. Uh, yeah. People people who think it wasn't real, I don't understand. I don't understand that way of yeah. viewing the movie, um, especially you when she's up, been having these... hallucinations through the whole thing. Right. <laughs> um Oh yeah, someone someone made an argument that like the movie the reality stops the moment she hits her head or something. That like when she trips and falls, doesn't I'm like no, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you want to try to make this a bad movie, you could. Yeah, exactly. You could exactly. insist that that was the choice. I, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. The, you know, I did have to look it up to find out that that these these monster was it monster hunt. The, the, they, the anime show yeah. that she's... Or it's a video game. Monster Hunt concert, video game music concerts, they're actually, they're real. That happens all the time in Asia. And so oh, okay. Like, or maybe it I, is I, anime. I assumed it was a video game. Somehow no, I, it is a video game. Okay. It is a video game. It's a video game and and there's concerts held uh, with the music and people dress up in costume and they go all the time. And so like, I, I, I was like, oh, that's a real thing. And so... It just, I think for people who don't know it exists, which I didn't, it feels so absurd because you're like, what is, what's going on? I know. I know. <laughs> but like, 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 but it's, 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 that's just it. It's, 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 it's real. So, you know, that, that was interesting. The, the scene where she goes back to her house, her childhood home, and the way that connects to that last scene like the, the it all connects back to that that that, that sequence where she goes back i it killed me um i don't know mm. i I'm, i will be talking more about tar so i'll i'll leave it here but that's my that's my number one that's awesome i um i've been thinking about this a lot i bet you tar would be a, a lot higher on my list if it were another year if this was a couple of years ago cuz i kept i cuz maybe part of me was always going you know what i'm done seeing terrible people fall for their terrible actions. Like, I just want to see nice people. <laughs> so why Mrs. Harris goes to Paris is on my list higher than Tar. Because <laughs> it's like, I just want, I'm tired of seeing assholes. 
<sighs> so anyway, but uh, that, so my own bias comes into there. I don't know why I didn't have After Sun in Best Original Screenplay. How did I miss that? I'm going to swap out uh, Turning Red for After Sun. Just Good so you, choice. Just, I'm, yeah, because it's a much that. stronger piece. You know, just the long shot of him smoking on the balcony. There's just so yeah. much in that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, next category. Good, good pick, sir. Thank you. Next category is an is the final. Uh, uh, you watched it wrong. Edition. This one is uh, by request by request by uh, Siggy. Best moment. Mm-hmm. So just a moment. You know, it doesn't have to be the whole scene. Just a moment that was uh, uh, momentous that has stuck with you. Now, I have to admit, I, there's a little fudging on my side. Um, I, oh, I wasn't, really? I, I, I didn't spend a ton of time on this. So some things that are kind of more scene like are in here, but we'll, we'll, I've, I think it justifies what, what I've done. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, honorable mention. <laughs> always packing more in. You're always packing. You're always I know. Trying Audible to... mentioned to uh, the antlers in RRR, <laughs> if you know what I mean. The antlers. In the animal's attack fight, when the guy's flipped onto the – his arm gets caught on the uh, elk's antlers. <laughs> it's gory and vicious, and I don't know why it's so goddamn funny. <laughs> <laughs> um. The reveal of Bo's arm, new arm tattoo in the movie Hustle, which is a movie I haven't talked about a lot. I really enjoyed Hustle. Okay. And um, and the whole thing about getting a big tip when they uh, in Triangle of Sadness, where the boat captain and the head of staff is trying to tell all the wait staff <laughs> that this is all getting into a big tip. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. and then but cut now, to below deck when they right yeah. <laughs> Uh, so now my top five proper. Um, my top five moment is really more of a cut, more of a, a brilliant transition. Okay. Um, from After Sun, where Callum watches a parent drag a child, his child off, and then it cuts to him teaching Sophie self defense. Mm. So much in that that just told us everything about his childhood, and this is really important. Come on, you got to learn this. Like, he didn't see a child get adopted. He saw a parent going after the child, controlling a child. And he's like, no, you're going to learn self-defense. Hmm. I thought it was amazing. Um, number four. Oh, this killed me. Uh, in the menu. After um, the brilliant uh, uh, Margot turns on Slowick and, and says, I didn't enjoy your food and I'm still hungry and orders a cheeseburger mm-hmm. and then she can go the moment that kills me is she starts to head to the door and she turns around and she realizes i gotta do something to save all these people yeah and judith light judith light looks at her and and waves her on yeah it's like no just, just go go save yourself it, save yourself it it broke my heart that was a great moment yeah <laughs> greg's and, mess uh, uh was on my short list for best scene Oh yeah, yeah. But you could just do the moment where you find out what Greg's mess is, right? <laughs> it's true. Uh, I love the line where Slowick, after she leaves, says, "You know, uh, I'm really surprised a lot of you didn't try to fight back." 
you know, you, to like try to overpower us and leave. You probably could have something to think about. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, my number three moment is really a scene, but it's for this one moment in Tar. What might be my favorite moment in Tar is when her the realtor selling her neighbor her neighbor's apartment come to the door mm-hmm. and ask when she's playing. It's her reaction <laughs> to being told not to play the piano because we don't want noise. Yeah, her reaction to that is is award worthy on um, so Well, just, we wouldn't want that. Is that what she says? Something. Like <laughs> she laughs like just the because uh, first she's like, "Oh, thank you. Yes, I do play piano." <laughs> it's like, no, we don't care about the shit. It's noise, and we don't want it. It's it's a potentially a turnoff for the buyer to have you playing your beautiful music. Yeah, what what I mean is there a worse insult to her, which sets up the second best song of the year. That's right. That's right. Uh, my number two moment is another moment where I my I completely broke me as a human being. Uh, was in the Banshees of Inisherin. It's the cart ride home after yeah. after gets gets beaten up by the cop, and he and Brendan Gleeson puts him on the cart, and he wants to talk to him so bad, yeah, and does it. It breaks my heart. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not drinking. I'm really not. I'm totally, <laughs> totally here. Uh, but yeah, it was such a powerful moment. It totally killed me. <sighs> but my favorite moment of the year. Uh, is also the funniest moment of the year. I don't think I laughed harder at anything this entire year than when Justin Long was Googling about square footage in Barbarian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's his reaction to seeing the, pr- the the torture prison. The torture mortar room and then yeah. cut to can underground rooms be you counted as square footage. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest thing I'd ever, Oh, God, that was brilliant. Yeah, so that's my number one. Okay. I'm just looking forward to saying that for a long time. That's a good list. <laughs> that's a good list. Okay. My... Can't wait to hear this. This was a hard, hard one to narrow down, but I... Try to get it to the, the the moments I will think back on that I will remember mm. this year by, which is what I think these categories are for. Yes, um, absolutely. My number five, I call it Cunnilingus Clears the Table in Don't Worry, Darling. <laughs> yeah. This, this scene was smoking hot. It was yeah. like the hottest, it was. the hottest moment of the year. Is Harry Styles going down on Florence Pugh on the dining room table? Um, there's a lot of hot moments in this movie. One, one of the one of the mm-hmm. pleasures um, is how sexy a movie it is. Um, but that was that was the hottest. I was like, oh wow! Apparently, Olivia Wilde was fighting with the studio a lot because they didn't like seeing Florence Pugh have that much pleasure. So they wanted her to cut. They well, cut that's out. That's what they say. You have to yeah. to get the rating. <laughs> right. Can't have uh, can't have an O moment. Well, can't, I was can't have pleasure. I was going. Oh can... yeah. <laughs> uh, number just crazy to me. It's the very last image from After Sun, and the dad walks through the airport doors, and you see the mm. blinking lights back there, and it like. Oh, that's what we were 
that's what mm. that was. It just ties it all together. Yeah. Again, without explaining anything, but you've it been yeah. you've been seeing this, this strobe light thing, and you're like, "What is this exactly?" And they're that they're. This is the poetry of that moment, and it's just so yeah. heartbreaking and beautiful, um, beautiful image. Uh, my number mm. three was pointed out to me by my kids is mo- the moment in Nope. Uh, this is one time I double dip. It's the end of the Gordy attack scene when he reaches in to do the, the fist bump. Mm-hmm. With Jupe, and my kids pointed out, it's like E.T. reaching out to Elliot. Yeah. It really is. And it works It works on, on those levels of him. It's, it's about Jupe feeling this connection as a child actor with this. Yeah. This, this chimp that lost control that just got pushed too far as a performer um, who was being controlled. Um, but also, you know, the, the extraterrestrial um, exactly conflict and, you know, and, and then Jupe trying to befriend this, this thing yeah. in the sky. Um, yeah. That, you know, the, the fact that it, has that allusion to E.T. and my kids spotted it and I didn't and just like very proud as a movie dad <laughs> in that moment. And so it's, it's almost like more yeah. for my kids discovering it that is here than for it being there. Although I think it's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, my number two, this is hard, but it was, it's just such a, it's such a conversation starter is the last shot from tar. And, yeah. The the going up the audience of the 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 cosplayers, and my only inkling of it ahead of time was on the blank uh, the blank check podcast, just where I think it was Griffin Newman just said he told a mutual friend of theirs that um, you will not guess the last shot of Tar in a million years. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You will not guess the last shot in a million years. And so while I'm watching Tar, I'm tr- I'm thinking about that and going, "Well, what's the last <laughs> shot going to be?" And he was right. I would, <laughs> I would, if you had given me a million years, I would not have guessed that. Never. Um. But it just it just makes you. It's it's just one of those final shots that makes you wonder. What was this movie about, yeah. actually? You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just gives you... It made me question a lot. Yeah. I was like, what? Huh? And so I, I was processing for like the next 24, 48 hours. Like, what was that about? And, you know, and it's there, it's findable, there was, you know? it's Yeah. Uh, but There I, was a moment I, in my considerations where I was thinking, is this a Christopher Guest movie ending? <laughs> Where where he's derailing? Is, is that what this is? <laughs> My dinner with Andre, the the home version. Or? <laughs> um, it's Corky going back to that museum, or it's a uh, uh, the Christopher Guest character performing in front, or everyone's performing in front of old folks' homes and stuff. 
It's like, is that what this this is? I don't know. But I I decided no. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's both it's it's both her downfall and her rebirth, right? She's, yeah, exactly. She's she's relegated to this lower form of art in which she um that but she's also getting back to the elements of just finding a connection and finding a way to love the music, you know. Right. She's she's yeah, we assume she fi- figure, thinks it's beneath her. But her rebirth yeah. will have to come from taking it serious and appreciating what she loves about it in the first place. Yeah. Well, the the Lydia Tar who carefully chooses which prestigious album cover featuring a white man she will emulate in her photography and how she will get her clothes cut the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, that that she, her, her whole deal is that, I mean, this is one of the things I love about the script, is that in this nine minute uh, New Yorker interview in the beginning of the movie, you find out that she got her start by studying indigenous music in South America, right? And then oh, I forgot that. And then the rest of her career has fuck all to do with anything but white men. Right. Right? She's all about moving into the circles of power of 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 the old crusty white guys. That's who she goes to for advice. That's who mm-hmm. you know, that's who she emulates, that's whose abuses she <laughs> perpetuates. Right. Um and so then at the end, she has to, you know, she watches that Leonard Bernstein tape and 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 breaks down crying and, like, has to find in her the little girl who initially fell in love this and, with this and, like, then in thinking to and enter it, she had to change her name and adopt this persona that was all fake, you know, um, mm-hmm. that... At the end, she has to 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 find it again. You know, it's her finding it again. Um, I, I don't know. I, I thought that was cool. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to move on. <laughs> My number one moment of the year, the Silver Siggy. Um, so on my short list of scenes, or maybe be a sequence, is in the third act of RRR, mm. when... Ram has gone to free – no, I mean Beam has gone to free Ram from uh, being imprisoned. He's in that solitary cell. His legs have been whacked. And Beam pulls him out and lifts him onto his shoulders. And they're going to have a chicken, yeah. a chicken fight action scene. <laughs> and I saw, the, I saw this part of the movie before my kids. But I said there's an action scene coming up. Which I have zero points of comparison for. I have never seen anything like it. <laughs> Is the chicken fight action scene with him on his shoulders? But there's one moment when he, when you don't know that's coming, and so he lifts Ram out of the cell, puts him on his shoulders, and think, oh, he's going to carry him out of there. But he reaches behind and locks his feet together behind his back. Uh, and as everything is done in like this really kind of rigid, like statuesque, um, mannered way, 
but it's such like a tender thing to yeah. say like, I got you, bro. Like, I got you, buddy. <laughs> is to reach behind and take his feet and lock them together, but also like yeah. to wordlessly signal, it's go time. I don't it's know. Go, yeah. <laughs> it, like get your pulse pounding immediately, even though you don't know what's coming. It's just such a small thing, but to have that, like, they, they don't, you don't have to have that yeah. moment. Just put them on your shoulders, and then you go and start punching people. Oh, they could no, have done no, no. that, but that just that one shot of behind his back, locking those feet together. Yeah, see, that's what this beautiful. category is for. That's the beauty. That's the beautiful beauty. The things of cinema that's just so that we stick with us. Yeah, it's like that choice. If we were doing this in 1981. Like I would say, my moment of the year is in Fear Eyes Only when the yellow car, uh, Roger Moore ramps the yellow car over the bad guy's car, and the tire grazes the top mm. of their car. Mm-hmm. Bunk. Like there's no reason to take all that time to do that. They could just ramp the car, but they did a special insert shot of a, of of the tire going over the top, and then getting the guys inside looking up, and then it going down. They took the time to do it, and I'm like. And it, it's just it's just such a wonderful little book. Yeah. And <laughs> it makes the, all the difference. And it pulls you into the world, yeah. Right. Yeah. It makes all the difference in the world. So that little act of just tucking the feet in is both tender, empowering, and, like, rousing and everything. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Hey. Um, yeah, that's my number one. Good one. Very good one. Okay, so now we're going on to Best Actor. Who boy. All right. This Final has stretch. changed. Big four. Yeah. Final stretch, the big four. Um, Siggy, sir, hit me with your best top five. Oh, I get to go first. Okay. <laughs> that means there's a shocker in store for me coming from yours. Maybe. Mm, maybe. Not necessarily. Okay, Best Actor. I confess... I, for me, this was not the most competitive category. Mm. Um, but I still like my top five. Okay, number five, mm. Gabrielle Labelle for the Fablemans. Oh, the the boy who plays Paul. Yeah, no, uh, right. Who plays um, uh, Steven Spielberg. Spielberg? Right. <laughs> um, who's doing his own thing, but is still also a credible Steven Spielberg impression. Yeah, people haven't talked about him at all, but I was—I remember watching the movie, going, no, "He's really good. I think he's really anchoring this movie." I, I thought he was really effective. He carries it. I mean, you know, and he's up against a murderer's row of supporting, yeah, supporters, um, and he holds his own. I thought he was great. Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Inisherin. Just, um, just want to give that guy a hug. <laughs> You big old dummy. Just want to give you a hug. <laughs> um, number three, Paul Meskel for After Sun. Uh, mm-hmm. Heartbreaking. Uh, just a well. There's a well of. There's a well inside that guy. Um, yeah. In that movie. From The Lost Daughter, too. And so Remember, he's in The Lost, Lost Daughter. Daughter. Yeah. And very. Mm-hmm. Um, after Sun's like a spiritual successor to The Lost Daughter. They have got a very similar vibe yeah, in those bit. two movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two is Brendan Fraser for The Whale. If you make me cry, then you're getting <laughs> in here. You're on the list. Um, yeah. 
I mean, he just won the Oscar, and so plenty will be said and has been said about his performance. I agree with all of it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, just, 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 uh, I mean, the. He gave a terrible speech. <laughs> his speech sucked. Well, I actually, but he was so his his emotions during the speech, his Oscar speech, thought, were so effective. I thought he was going to have a. I thought he was going to have a heart attack. I was. A, I was. Yeah. I, I really thought he was going to die right there when he because I I guess because in the movie we see him have a heart attack like three times. Yeah, at least. <laughs> but like I I honestly thought he was going to keel over and we were so so I was like just worried for him because he was very emotional and he like maybe his heart. If his heart was straining anywhere near as hard as that metaphor, he was stretching. <laughs> he was a he was big on the metaphors. Yeah. I noticed. Um, but no, he was great. Uh, he's my yeah. number two though, because my number one is, I, and I hope I'm saying this right, Ram Sharan from RRR. Oh, that's great! He was on my short list. He he got pushed out. He I was considering him too. He's great. He is magnetic. Why isn't He's so good. He over. He's so good. Okay. I Great believe. Yeah, I I actually believe between him and the director, they made me believe that he could really fight off a crowd of three hundred people <laughs> yeah. by himself. Yeah, I mean that's amazing. That that is amazing. <laughs> um, it could have been on my moments list, but I wanted to talk about it here. So, the moment where he's flogging, beam. And you have mm. now learned that he's a double agent. And you're, I was expecting – I don't know this guy's story. I'm ignorant of almost all history of India. I expect him to be a convert. I expect him to be like St. Paul who goes from persecutor right. to, um, to, to leader through a, a moment of epiphany or something, getting cast off his horse. Um, and then you learn that, no, he's been he's – been, a, 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 you know, effectively a, a revolution of the entire time, um, but has been hiding it so he can get into position to do what he wants to do. And so now he has to flog this guy Beam, who's not only his friend but also also a revolutionary, right? And so he's like, "Well, I Beam can take it, and I'm going to do what I have to do." But that moment when uh, <laughs> she's a uh, she's a uh, I, 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 an overactor I did not like in um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I, oh, right. She's a kind of more strategic overactor in this movie. But when she use my whip, yeah, and she's like got it right there. You see, she's like carries this around in her purse, this spiked whip. But when she tosses it down and it lands on the platform, and Ram. Just like staring at it, and he's acting, revealing nothing, and yeah. you can't even detect how his countenance countenance is changing. But the way he stares at it, and you just you read everything on him. Yeah, but you also read nobody can read anything on him. That's got to be the hardest kind of acting. Yeah. Without just looking oh, yeah, dead, but- like it's so intense. To give nothing and tell everything—that's yeah—that's the key. Yeah, and you know, like Shah Rukh Khan, to to go with another Indian actor, um, 
who like has one facial expression except his eyes say everything. Like that's why he's one of my favorite yeah. actors. And his like his eyes aren't even saying that much. You know, <laughs> he's so locked down in this yeah. moment. And it, the part of it is the direction, but just the way he like it's a really long shot of him staring at that whip. Like it killed me that shot. But the whole I was already mm. digging him in his performance in the whole movie, but then that that sealed it for me just that moment. Yeah. And then and then you know his athleticism, his performance, his singing, his dancing. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> he's got it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Well, he's that's, dubbed. That's I mean, great. They, that's how they do it there. But Oh yeah. yeah. If the on-screen audio is probably because <laughs> they're pounding so hard, yeah, um, no, very athletic, uh, yeah, dancing. Uh, yeah, he was he, he was on my runners up for sure. Um, so uh, my it's it's funny my mine I saw the whale just recently, which changed a lot of my lists. Yeah, I saw it on so, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So um, Austin Butler was on my list for best actor, but I, when I saw Brendan Fraser in The Whale, I had to. Someone had to go. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Austin, because uh, you know, despite I, the thing. Okay, so my uh, the top five best actor of number five, Brendan Fraser for The Whale. He, it, it is a glorious performance. It's it's one that on paper is like, oh, this is all the Oscar tick boxes right here. Yeah. All the tropes or whatever like that. And he transcends over all of them. Yeah. Um, also, I don't think a lot of people are, people keep talking about how the movie's bad, but he's good. I think the movie's really good. I thought the movie was good. I was good. not, I didn't, I didn't want to see it actually. Me neither. And then when I uh, had the opportunity and I, and I saw it. Um, if it weren't for Hong Chow, I wouldn't have seen it. To be honest. Oh, yeah? Yeah. To be honest. But when I saw it, I realized it's dealing with a lot of things that I'm even struggling with right now. And, like, it it was it was a weirdly personal uh, experience. Uh, it does feel like a play. It feels like a filmed play a little bit. But not not so much that I was didn't think it was a movie. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. didn't – it wasn't – that didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and I and I don't think a lot of people are are acknowledging the fact that once you find out everybody's deal and their reasonings for everything, everybody's, and then you swirl it all together by the end, it's this beautiful connection of t- of just of it's a it's an amazing like character tapestry going on. I just found it extraordinary. Um, but yeah, and and Brendan Fraser being central to it is uh, is is is. He's a fantastic performance. Number my number four is John Boyega in Breaking. Okay, the uh, the the movie is John Boyega in this movie. I mean, it's not it's it's this movie's pretty far down on my list, but it's still good in the good. I saw seventy five movies this year. This is in the thirties, which is still like four star movies that are interesting and and they're still good. Um, but like John Boyega has a very very tricky part, and when I say and in in that he has to, he's leading the movie, he's driving the story of the movie, he's not 
He's very polite and not aggressive, but he is at his, he's at the end of his rope. And the thing is, is that like, like Christopher Abbott, I mentioned earlier, like, like, uh, in on the count of three, you know, mental illness is both a, um, uh, an Oscar like favorite, but it's also a real tricky in terms of audience relatability. Once, if you say you have a certain condition or you convey that, sometimes they just go, "Oh, I'm not even going to think about anything anymore." He's got a condition; that's all I need. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like how much I hate about the, I love Unbreakable, but hate that last title card because it basically says, "Oh, Mr. Glass is crazy." Okay, I don't have to think about this anymore. <laughs> it's like, no, you're supposed to be haunted by the fact that you were totally on his side the whole movie. And why aren't you now? You know, it's like be haunted by that. Don't just write it off and say, okay, I don't have to worry. It's because he's crazy. But Boyega is struggling with, and he just wants what he was told he would be getting for being a soldier. And he knows he's going to die. He knows he's going to go in and he knows he's going to be killed by the police. But he needs people to be aware that this is happening to veterans. And it's a very, it's very, uh, it's a tricky, it's, it could have really folded um, as a movie uh, and as a performance many, many different ways, and it never did. So I was really impressed with him in this. So that's why he's been on number four. Um, my number three is Harris Dickinson from Triangle of Sadness, who plays Carl. <sighs> I really <laughs> like his performance. I, the more I think about it, the more have, how much he's actually doing. Now, he was in another movie you saw this year that it, that you were uh, quite fond of. And I bet you didn't notice him. I didn't notice him. Um, no, I saw this and I was surprised and now I forget. What was yeah, it? he was in See How They Run. He plays Richard Attenborough. Oh, yeah. He's in the cast of the like, play. A really tall Richard Attenborough. Yeah. But, uh, That's right. Dickie Attenborough. So yeah, but so he's he's in that. But yeah, I I I I found his contributions, the performance to like I keep thinking about him going to the crew and asking. There's a crew member with his shirt off up on the roof, like so pathetic. Like I'm just you know he's just talking to us and I don't know. I, I don't, don't worry about it. And then going back to say I don't want. I don't, actually, I don't want you to do anything, but. But then getting you how how much are these necklaces? <laughs> the whole jewelry, for, like I just I, I love his performance. I think I I think you keep that that without that particular take on him, I think a lot of the movie wouldn't work. The critic um, Fran yes. Hefner, I think that's how you say her name. She referred to Harris Dickinson as a flop boy. <laughs> Which, what? I thought that was a perfect choice of words. I'm not sure I know what you mean, but uh, okay. I'm not sure I do, but also I'm yeah. pretty sure I know. <laughs> I thought he was And great. I think she's right. Um, my number two is Daniel Kaluuya from Nope. Okay. A lot of people seem to have a problem with his performance. A lot of I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how because it's all there. It's It's... It's the same thing with with Ram in the whip. It's only it's two hours of it. It's him not giving anything and telling everything. And I and it, it frustrates me when I hear people say they they can't access him because I'm like I don't know how you can. <laughs> it's it's all there. Um, so I, I think I, I think uh, um, 
I don't know. I, I mean, his uh, his his performance in Get Out should have been a, gotten an award. He did get the award for for um, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, but I think put Nope above that this that performance. Um, it's a completely different one, um, and I and I, I love it very much. Um, and my number one best actor of the year is Colin Farrell, but. But. For after Yang, oh, he was great in Banshees of Inisherin. No, 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 not saying he's not. But for me, the performance of the year was him in After Yang, a very, very, very subtle, heartbreaking performance of a father trying to figure out how his family is going to go on after the loss of this companion robot. When it's kind of like, dude, maybe you just ought to be there, be in your family. <laughs> hmm. It's um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful performance. Um, yeah, that's my five. I loved, uh, as I said, you know, Daniel Craig and Daniel Ratcliffe as Weird Al was really great. Christian Bale in Amsterdam was good. Paul Mescal in After Sun, obviously, and even Adam Sandler in Hustle, I really, really liked. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my top five. Well, let's see. We have three categories left, and one of them is double length. And we are at three and a half hours. Do you think we can pick up the pace here? Should we try to pick yeah, up I think the pace? We can. Okay. I think we can. All right. Okay. We got Best Actress next. Best Actress. All right. Hit me with your top five. Okay. My top five. Number five, Florence Pugh. I mean, she's mm. on my Mount Rushmore right now of current, exciting, young um, actors who I will see anything that they're in, <clears throat> along with uh, Jesse um, Buckley and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think Barry Barry Kilgan's on there and um, Shosha Ronan. So, <clears throat> um, but she, she she's um, I I think she's captivating in that movie. Uh, and doing mm. doing heroic work to try to yeah. try to hold that thing together. <laughs> so you say. <clears throat> uh, my number four <laughs> is Emma Thompson for Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Oh, I really wanted to see this. Oh, you still haven't seen I it. Get, oh, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I really want yeah, to. I, <laughs> I such the hugest crush on yeah, Emma Thompson. I think and it might hopes, make you intensely uncomfortable and maybe a little sad. I'm, I'm sure, um, but but she's she's really good in that, and uh, what a courageous performance! Uh, <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, number three is Tang Wai um, or Wei, mm. maybe for decision to leave. Uh, I think it's totally Boy. a lead performance. Yeah, I actually have it in the lead here. I noticed it in my thing, so yeah. Um, so, I mean, as the runner-up, it's it's the subtlest. It's the subtlest performance on on this list, and the fact I, I talked about it, but the way this movie has you moving on, dancing on either side of like the line of sympathy, like are you yeah. are you sympathizing with this character or not? Um, I, I think her work is incredibly incredibly subtle, and the way her character turns and the way she navigates that, I think, is amazing work. Uh, number two, the one I cannot believe didn't get nominated is uh, Viola Davis in The Woman King, mm. which I think is an iconic 
performance, like uh, just an iconic physical performance. And then she's yeah, doing great she's... emotional work and powerful emotional work in, in it too. Okay, the word powerhouse applies. We need to call power Davis. Power, yeah, she's incredible in that movie. I, you know, Absolutely incredible. I, I was stunned that she didn't get nominated, frankly. Um, and my number one is Kate Blanchett for Tar, which is the like for the character of the decade for me so far. Mm-hmm. Um, Viola Davis has it in the walk any other year, but um, Tar just. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, Lydia Tar has to be a real person, right? Like this can't be made up, right? Like it's this is that kind of role, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, great. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil a couple of things. Kate Blanchett, Viola Davis, and Tang Wei all in my runners up. Okay. They are they are stupendous performances. I don't want to slight them. We just had a lot of love this year. <laughs> um, also, no one talks about Frankie Corio, who played the daughter in After Sun. She's spectacular. I she I considered her. Yeah, she's great. I, I, you know, and maybe we should add a, a category for uh, child. Uh, child actors, or I thought about that, but also for and also for voice performances. But then that's basically ghettoizing them and saying they're not really acting. You know, they're acting, but as a child, or acting, but which of their voice? It's, I don't know. Well, it, I kind of feel. Like, I don't think it's ghettoizing. It, you know, you could say the same about supporting roles. It's you know, there's different. Right. I, I don't think you should expect a child to do the same thing that's, that an adult does. That's true. In, and that's why we all go nuts. ways, or maybe all. <laughs> that's why we all go nuts when we see, like, you know, a Natalie Portman in The Professional yeah. or, you know, someone who's just like, oh, my God. It used to be an Oscars category she... for, I think they called it juvenile performance. Oh. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe we should consider because, yeah, sometimes putting them up against, you know, putting a child up against, you know, Meryl Streep doesn't seem... Yeah. Fair to either right. of them, you know. Um, okay, so my top five. My uh, number five is Olivia Coleman from Empire of Light. Empire of Light isn't, in my opinion, the greatest movie. Um, but I'll, fuck, she, I'll watch Olivia Coleman do anything. She's, she's on your Mount Rushmore. She's on my Mount Rushmore, right. And she's – and that doesn't mean it's just a uh, – it's just because she does great work in it. I, I don't think the movie's doing as good a work as she is, but she does great work. My number four is uh, Charlie Dean from Triangle of Sadness, who plays Yaya. The late, I think she, the late, the late, sadly late, which is a heartbreak because she's so. Ta- I mean, like to what I, the multiple viewings I've had of Triangle of Sadness, I was watching Harris. Dickerson's and her performances and just marveling at like what I, I I think they're doing fantastic work and so I just I they need to be celebrated both of them. Um, my number three is Florence Pugh for Don't Worry Darling for all the reasons you said she's doing so much. I mean I'm not the Pugh head that you are, but um, uh, man she's she killed it in that movie. Yeah, uh, she's incredible. Now, my number two is one I desperately wanted for my number one. And, and I really want to make it a double win. I want to make it a tie. 
Um, but Aubrey Plaza and Emily the Criminal, she that performance is fucking incredible. She was on my short list. She's very good. I I love her so much. I mean, in that it's it's um, she. What I love about not only does she carry the movie well, she makes it undeniable that the that sh- that someone in her position would clearly see this as a better route to take than anything legal <laughs> you know because the the world is not set up for her to get anywhere or have a or be happy doing it and so it it it, it dispenses with the moralizing she dispenses with the grappling of it and it's just like this makes better sense and um it, and that's terrifying and heartbreaking <laughs> and she's amazing i think uh, I, I really wanted her to win an award but uh my number one performance you know again most tears shed michelle yo for everything everywhere mm. all at once of course she was on my just, short list too yeah just like that uh, it's a performance for the ages. I mean, she anchors the movie. She Now, something that one of the Daniels said in an interview once, I think it was on a podcast I was listening to, and I don't hear them talk about this much, and I'm glad I don't. I'm glad they don't. Is that I think one of them has ADHD, and so they wanted to write her character as someone with ADHD. Okay. But they didn't name it. They didn't call it out. They just did it that way, kind of like uh, Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. I'll do DiCaprio played it at, played it bipolar, um, mm. and when it was never wasn't the script, it wasn't brought up, but it it deepened all that stuff. It gave him more avenues to go, and it made more it made a lot of sense because just it was a condition they just self medicated, right? And she had other ways of coping with with this that probably didn't even know she had it. But um, what's amazing is that. People have seen all different types of people have seen themselves in her who watch the movie. And it's not just ADHD sufferers. You know, it's, it's, and if they had named it that, maybe if they had called it out and said that she has ADHD, maybe half of the people who saw the movie wouldn't relate to her because they're like, well, I don't have ADHD. <laughs> How can I relate? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's, I, I remember being really, really mad. When Russell Crowe won for Best Actor for Gladiator, and Why? I don't think Michelle Yeoh was nominated that same year. Was Crouching Tiger? I'll have to and, check. And she was my win that year for that role. Right, absolutely. And I don't, I can't remember if she was nominated or not. Um, I kind of feel like she wasn't, and I remember being very mad because I, I go, you know, was. maybe. Um, and this is not fair to Russell Crowe. Yeah, um, different categories as this was too. <laughs> Twenty-three years ago, but I remember, I remember um, being like, "Okay, so Russell Crowe has a stunt double. He fights digital, <laughs> he fights digital tigers. Doesn't do his own stunts or sword play, and he gets best actor when oh, for for just a performance where Michelle Yeoh has a great performance." And she had a lifetime of training martial arts and did all her own stunts. Apparently. And is really fighting. She hasn't formally trained in martial arts. Well, she's been practicing in her own. 
She was a dancer, I think, she was a no, dancer, uh, yeah. initially. Um, uh, no, you're but yeah, right. that was she did not that, get no acting nomination. Should not get should not get nominated. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So I was just finding ways to stack up for her, not really mad at someone else for their good fortune. But uh, I was really just really happy to see her being celebrated that way. So yeah, she's my number one. But now to the people who craft these these pictures. Best director, sir. Who are your top five for directing pictures this year? So this is really hard to not just take your top five movies and take those directors. Yeah, it is isn't like it? that's just the, and it seems like you, that you should that should just be what you do. But it also feels lazy to do that. So I tried to come up with reasons not to do that. Well, sometimes there are none. I don't know. Um, Okay, best director, my number five is the Daniels for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Mm -hmm. Um, Just finding that balance between the absurd and the sensitive and and all that stuff. Um, Finding the emotional, keeping the emotional center (laughs) with everything going on. Um, That's tricky, and and they they did that, and that's hard. Ruben Ostland is number four for Triangle of Sadness. Um, even the part of the movie I didn't like was well directed. <laughs> um, he, he's making lots of choices. I thought I, I love the section on the yacht. That's my favorite part of the movie. But his direction yeah. on the island um, maybe more impressive. I don't there's like that first part where they wash up I, and I, you're like you're trying to figure out who survived and who didn't and uh and how much he's kind of like teasing you by what he shows and doesn't show. Like the the camera angle he chooses when the life raft shows up and they're having the argument about whether the guy's a pirate or not. Yeah. Um I, I, I don't I don't know it, it, it there was not I don't think there was a single obvious choice in that entire movie uh, in terms of in terms of direction no absolutely and the scene with the shit salesman cradling his dead wife on <laughs> that washes up and you're like and then he's removing her jewelry and you're like okay does he care and this is just survival does he does he not care and just taking the jewelry or both <laughs> it's beautiful it was, yeah now I, do, do you mind I have one point uh, uh, Ruben was in my top five but I pushed him out okay and I the reason I pushed him out was for one I have one problem with the movie okay maybe you can help me out it's the last moment oh yeah the last shot yeah of of uh, Carl running through the forest. Yeah, this bothers me. I keep thinking it should have ended on day da- on uh, Daisy DeLeon. What's her name? Dolly DeLeon. What's her name in the movie? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, well, there's Yaya, uh, and then there's uh, the the captain. I don't remember. Well, that captain and Yaya, where she's walking up to her with to hit her with a yeah. rock. I felt uh, like it spoil, should We're going to spoil all these movies, by the way. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt like it should have ended there. 
and I felt like the cut to the running was a studio note to say, well, what about no, Harris? I, no, 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 no. I, I don't feel that way at all. I don't get the last shot because I, I think it raised too many questions. Like, did he hear it? Did he suddenly get worried and run after her? Is, is he going to say what's happened? I don't, I don't understand what I'm supposed to take from that last shot. So if you, if you cut, if you leave that shot off and it's just, it's just uh, the new captain creeping up behind the rock and it just becomes a did she or didn't she? You know, the lady right. or the tiger. You right. know, did she decide not to and they go inside and they're rescued or she brains her and uh, goes back and and they never find out. So how does the last question not still it's not a, create It's that not image? a question. Well, last last because, I- image. Because this, the, the scene of um, uh, the the very puzzling scene of uh, the woman that's had a stroke sitting in the life raft and a guy comes up with souvenirs yeah. the seller he's from the resort right you know like they're 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 already found when right. when so they're that was the other thing is like did did he know when he's running after them because he's like we found or like what yeah i mean he's going to it's going to yeah. be figured out like you know people from the resort do come to the side of the island other otherwise this guy wouldn't come here to sell stuff right you know so when when on the other side by this elevator door she's deciding whether or not to brain her if she brains her it the scheme doesn't work like the, right. the, they found so i think so paul is his name paul Carl. Carl. Carl running is like, you know, it doesn't, the, the circumstances are something that have to do with the fact that he knows about, <laughs> he knows that they're on a resort right. island now, right? Um, right? One way or the other. So he's either running to her to, her to, to tell her or um, word has gotten back from the resort that, oh, we found a bloody mess <laughs> <laughs> on the beach is this one of yours you know like it yeah. i think it's just kind of reinforcing that whatever whatever the this woman is going to try to do to hide the fact that and and preserve this new order that she's established like it's not it's not going to work it's it's going to crumble right you know it's it um and so i i think that's all it's doing is reminding you of mm. that um without being obvious about it that's how I saw it. Mm. It, it, it felt like. Because otherwise there's nothing the tying only... it back to that souvenir guy and, you know. No, the, totally. You make the assumption that there's, that's there. So the souvenir guy has been out there. I, I, I just feel like it felt like an answer cobbled together out of existing footage and instead of an intentional ending. And, like, that's the only thing that – it's, like, the one thing I don't like about the movie in a it's like I, 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 I'm still not satisfied. I'm trying to like figure out what it's trying to say and what it's trying to, and I'm not. Nothing seems to be right. Yeah, so that's fair. I mean, it's, it's just there, you could make a stronger. You're looking for a stronger choice. It's not. I'm look. Yeah, I'm looking for a direction. Any direction, you know, like 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 I, I don't need it to be uh, answered, or I, I mean, I don't need it. I don't need questions answered. I don't need. Blah 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 blah. I just need to know what am I looking at? Like, what is this supposed to yeah. be telling me? Okay, it's a bit limp. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I see your argument. Yeah. So I'm sorry. So th- thank you for that diversion. So that was your number four, right? That was my number four. My number three right. is Charlotte Wells for After Sun. Mm. 
Um, again, just like such subtle work, but such mastery. Um, you know, we talk about command. Yeah. And just knowing like when he he puts her to bed and then he's going to go out in the balcony and we're going to do this really slow camera move from her in the bed up to him in the balcony. We're going to hold on him for mm-hmm. that long and then have him do – he's smoking, but he's also – is he dancing? Is he right, stretching? Yeah. Like the way – the way he's directed, I mean, his performance there is just like kind of otherworldly. But there's like there's lots of there's lots of choices like that. Um, I I don't know. I just thought every every little detail in there was just so intentional. Not limp, <laughs> not like the last shot of after sun right. uh, of uh, of uh, triangle there's- of sadness. You know? There's nothing thrown in just to be there. No, uh, everything just feels very thought out and 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 directed. And I, I decided it was a great, great piece of direction. Uh, number two is Todd Field for Tar. Um, I I I can't say enough uh, about Tar. Yeah. Um, it seems to be the movie that has affected you greatly more than anything. Yeah, um, I, I just thought Tar was just like I was just thrilled by everything in it. Um, but the one I was really felt like I, someone who directed the shit out of a movie and not in like a Baz Luhrmann flashy way. Baz Luhrmann directs the shit out of Elvis, but Jordan Peele for Nope oh. is just like. Um, swinging for the fences in every scene and crushing it. Mm. Um, just like big, big ambitious choices um, and, and and totally working, blowing me away left and right. Um, I, he's my director of the year. Mm. Great, great choices. That's exciting. Okay, so um, uh, for myself, my top five, um, I was really struggling with subtlety versus directing the shit out of stuff. <laughs> and I, this 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 category changed probably more than any other ones. And I got many, 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 many runners up, but I'm not going to go through all those. I will stick with the five. So my number five is Ryan Johnson for Glass Onion. Mm-hmm. I, I I think. Um, to craft something this fun needs to be celebrated. Watching it over and over again, I've watched it several times, and um, I've noticed um, the the playfulness of what he does. Sometimes that's n- that's not misleading, but playful. Then I noticed that he shows you everything all the time, to- almost all the time. If, if there are certain things when you know when you don't know what happens to du- before you even know Duke's gun is gone. You see Edward Norton cross to the bar and he puts something in the ice bucket. And just for a second, if you know what you're looking for, you're like, that's a gun. Like you, you, if you happen to see it, you realize it's like, and he has the confidence to put it all out there. And uh, you don't notice it because you're, you're looking at other stuff. He's, he's he's a master of the magic trick. Exactly. So he's my number five. My number four. (sighs) I, 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 
I wanted him on there, and I for a while it, I thought I wouldn't, and I don't know why because it's insane that he wouldn't be. Is SS Rajamouli for RRR? I know. I, you make a three and a half hour movie that is that engaging, and I never get tired. <laughs> and it's that balls out crazy, and I am just fist bumping the whole time. Hell yeah, you're get best director. Yeah, he was on my short list. Oh man, for sure. Um, my number three—that was my four, right? My number three is um, Charlotte Wells for After Sun. Um, I liked a lot of other movies more than After Sun, but this is a this is the director's movie for sure. I think almost more than any other of these movies. This is Charlotte Wells. I, I can't think of another film that is more this director. You know, that like, it's this expression of, I don't know, she just, it, it's what, so impressive what do you mean, to me. Like, that it's personal? Like, like the, uh, other ones feel like work. This feels like her. Oh. And I don't know her. You know what I mean? Hmm. But this, I don't know what she's done before or will do it now. But like, like it, it, it really does feel like she's, um, the star of the movie in a way like she's really made this. I mean, the, I, it was funny. I was considering her or Baz Luhrmann for a slot. You couldn't get two to different <laughs> people, you know, like Baz Luhrmann directed the show of this, but like, this is like, like this feels like that looks like a, you know, that's a Baz Luhrmann movie, but this really feels like her movie. And so she's not just shepherding a story. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's not oh, just yeah. making the mechanics of something work. She's, this is, this is intense. So we, ta- we talk about three. command by a director. Yes, and she, you know, and for baseball pitchers, they talk about command. She's like, she's like painting the corners with curveballs, but not like no more like yeah. sliders. You know, she's got sliders. She's yeah, got yeah, really yeah. subtle stuff. She's not throwing heaters at you, but she's, uh, but but, but she's got total command yeah. in this movie. I I, I mean, absolutely agree. It would be interesting to compare Mad God to this movie because Mad God is a movie that you can't articulate, but you know what it means. And this movie is you're not told really any critical information, and yet you know it all. Yeah. I can't articulate this movie, but, like, I wasn't told any of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it, I was told because of its construction, and that uh, that informed me, and it's a, it's amazing. Uh, my number two director, it just I'll just quote you completely, Jordan Peele for Nope. Just uh, a masterful thing. I cannot wait to see whatever this man does next. And after that, and after that, and after that. Yeah, no kidding. He should be making movies Sign me up. forever. And my number one is Daniels. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Just there's no other movie fully cut. Like, Nope is real close to that movie, but uh, in terms of um, my feelings about it. But like everything, everyone, everything, everywhere, all at once, did something to me at a profound level, and so I really—that's the number one. Awesome. Oh, Wade, we are four minutes into our four hours. I wish we were four minutes. I wish we weren't four minutes. It would be really hard to understand us <laughs> if we were talking that fast. 
well, we're, you know, we're going to, you know, maybe a couple of cuts and it'll end up being four hours when we're done with this next category because the next category is best picture. Thank you for sticking around with us. I hope you've enjoyed a lot of this. Bye. See y'all. No, um, uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, uh, listening to this conversation. I have. I've enjoyed having it. Me too. And now we're good talking with you. Now we about movies. Good talking with you we too. We do a podcast sometime. Oh wait, that'd be a great idea. <coughs> Called thirty minutes or less. <laughs> <laughs> um, best picture. Now we decided to go uh, with the tin spot, like the Oscars do. So, Siggy, so let's <coughs> hit me with your tin. The good old top ten. Uh, my number eight. I was very solid on my number eight and really struggled with what to do with these last two spots. Um, super solid with my top three. If you've been paying attention, you can probably tell me what my top three are right now. But <laughs> um, number 10, the Banshees of Anishirin. And here I'll quote my own letterboxed review. I had a real hard time <coughs> accessing this story emotionally um brendan gleason's character his actions just seem so arbitrary <laughs> to me um and i had a i had a hard time figuring it out and then i dreamed that night i dreamed about this movie and in my dream my dream was about two things which are true about the movie uh revealed to me is that one that there's no children on this island. There's also no couples on this island at all. Everybody's single. Um, and also, and I think this is key, is that Colin Farrell and uh, Carrie Condon's character, or siblings, they sleep in the same room. They sleep in little twin beds right across from each other, which in the moment just kind of um, was about their, their, especially her lack of like sexual, sexual options, romantic options when you share a bed with your brother. But I'm like, oh, that's your childhood bedroom. Mm. Like they, yeah. they, they slept like that as little kids. And this is about Colin Farrell's character and really like maybe every character on this island not growing up. And Brendan Gleeson's character realizing that. And realizing he's near death and he never grew up. He has a bunch of toys hanging up in his house. Right? Yeah. And he's like, oh shit, I'm out of time and I've been wasting it. And I have to I have to cut the cord in order mm. to, to live. And Carrie Condon's character has a similar realization, but she does it by leaving the island, which is the the healthy choice, right? And they, yeah, the healthy thing to do. They stand yeah. on this island and they hear like the gunfire. And like the surface reading of that is like that's that's conflict happening over there, and what what plays out on the island is a different form of civil conflict happening here, and that seems to be like the popular reading of it. I think this island is like this womb-like environment where the violence of the outside world can't touch them; they just hear it as if through <laughs> through a membrane wall. Right. But in order to Live and to to fully live. Carrie Condon has to go has to go there, has to leave the right. womb, and um, and what? Why Brendan Gleeson's choice 
isn't a good one isn't just because it's not nice, but because he's it's 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 not a fully formed idea of how to how to live, right. you know, and how to grow. Um, he's still he's it's, still acting like a child. To, yeah, you're trying to get the rest of the environment to be what you want it to be, so you don't have to put extra effort into what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just set up boundaries. <laughs> and you and you carved out for yourself to say no. I am going to be self dis. I'm going to be disciplined enough to do this when I need to, and that when I want to. And he won't do it. He says no. Every I have to. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, but no, I have to. Um, uh, uh, they must make the change for me because I'm not going to. Right, you know, so. So it's a movie I appreciate and respect more than I loved it at the time, even though I loved all the performances and I thought some scenes like the Colin Farrell and the Bard, some scenes were were very moving. Um, But it was like a puzzle I had to solve a little bit. But I still, I I do really like it. Um, So it's my number 10. My number Mm. nine is The Whale. And I noticed neither of us put it (laughs) <laughs> or even mentioned it in the screenplay categories. I hadn't thought about it, but ultimately didn't. Um, I think for me, the th- thing that really held us back was the character of his ex-wife. Um, and uh, oh, what's her name? Mm-hmm. Uh, an actress I've seen in other things and have liked. And like, Samantha Morton. Samantha Morton. Thank you. Samantha Morton's good. In this movie, I thought she was bad. And I thought the character... I just thought that scene didn't work. Um, yeah. And it's a pretty important scene. But the rest of it is so powerful. I love the ending. I love the image of the, yeah. of the ending. Um, I love that his... his This essay... <laughs> this essay is a, that he's obsessed with is about how the... The wailing chapters were meant to distract you from the sadness in your life. And the essay itself is the thing that distracts him from the sadness in his life. Right. And, but it's also his, um, it's also his white whale that he's pursuing this idea of being, I just want an honest moment. Um, because it was like my lover having to hide himself, uh, and this church forcing him to hide himself. That is what killed him. Um, and so I'm also like trying to distract myself from my own misery. Um, right. you know, I, 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 I thought the way all that kind of worked was, I, I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it was very thought provoking and a lot of it's very moving. Uh, so that's my number nine. Number eight is everything everywhere all at once. Um, all of these next, all my top eight are very moving, uh, uh, pictures for mm. me. Number seven is decision to leave. Mm. The, the most subtle movie on this list. Um, number six yeah, is the much. Fablemans. Um, yeah. I did not love the the ending. <laughs> I did not love the yeah. uh, the John Ford scene, um, but I loved a lot of it. RRR is number five, uh, which is a romp. My number four is Top Gun Maverick. Number three, and now these last three, I think, are, are masterpieces. Uh, my number three is After Sun, 
My number two is Nope. My number one is Tar. Wow. Glorious. What a great year in film. <laughs> so I know why that sounded fake, but I truly meant it. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I really uh, uh, have some guesses, but I really don't know what to expect from your top ten. Really? Yeah. I thought it was kind of, most of it was kind of obvious. Now, basically, my top ten has mirrored my letterbox ranking pretty much exactly. So, um, not peaked at. Except, except uh, uh, at number five on my letterbox list, I have uh, a, as what I think is the fifth best movie of the year is not technically a movie. Um, you'll recall last year, my number, my favorite movie of the year was Inside by Bo, Bur- Bo Burnham's Inside. Yeah, yeah. Well, my number on my letterbox list, my number fifth best movie of the year is Bo Burnham's The Inside Outtakes. Okay, which is on YouTube. You have to watch that. When you watch that, it's like watching a whole another Inside, where you're like, "Wow, he's doing it again. He's done it again. He's put together another movie that does." Oh, it's it's just it's like it's almost just as brilliant as the first one. It's amazing. Um, so uh, yeah, that if that were in con- running, I would say that would be in this top ten. But so I've taken it out though because it's not technically a release. It's an outtake. I'll All right, released. exactly. So number ten, uh, tenth best picture is uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Oh wow! It's it's just just delightful. <laughs> I can't, can't tell you. Um, my number nine is After Sun. Glory, gorgeous. And all of these are... Wait. I think they're all four and a half stars up till four. And then after that, it's all five. So masterpieces, right? Okay. So um, uh, After Sun, RRR. Oh, wait, no, these are all five. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> RRR is number eight. Um, uh, just global sensation for good reason. Yeah, and um, sadly, uh, Hindu nationalist fascistic propaganda, as it turns out. But <laughs> we- hey, <laughs> <laughs> I can't pick up on most of that. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, number seven is Mad God. Um, oh, wow. I, I toyed with having that on here at all, but. Because it is, it is such a, a an outlier. But honestly, if if a movie can affect me that much, even if I can't describe it, <laughs> it's going on the list. <laughs> um, number six, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Really? Wow. Yes. I I I. Well, you said it transcends uh, animation. So. Yes. Well. If you consider animation to be subpar, which uh, I shouldn't have said transcends animation. I should have said transcends the um, cute little movie designation is what I should have but said. But you said you didn't allow it in the animation category. Oh, oh, right. No, I didn't because it's it's a live action movie with a digital character. So if by that rationale, Marvel movies should be animated movies and, you know, Cocaine Bear should be an animated picture. You know what I mean? Okay. So, um... Uh, okay, so yeah, Mar- it's a high recommendation for me for Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Everyone go see it. Um, but number five is After Yang, uh, which I believe is on Showtime right now, if I'm not mistaken. And then my top four, the masterpieces. Okay. 
Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Again, total fun. Can't I, I think we should celebrate fun more <laughs> when talking about quality. I also celebrate uh, the Mona Lisa. <laughs> it's going down. In the context of the movie, <laughs> if it happened in real life, I would be sad. Context of the movie, all for it. Burn, baby! <laughs> um, number three, Triangle of Sadness. A, a brilliant satire. Look beyond the vomiting. Although the vomiting is pretty awesome. <laughs> um, I I think Woody Harrelson is great in Triangle of Sadness. And it, it for I was saying for months after I saw it was I'm a shit socialist. <laughs> shit, shit show. I'm a sh- I'm a shit socialist. I am. That's such a great take. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that whole thing, Dimitri on the microphone. Yeah, yeah, and how, that could have been a how long of- that goes on. <laughs> Nobody can. Get I mean, that's one of my sequences of the year. I, that, that, yeah, that that was yeah. the hardest movie to keep out of my top ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, to my surprise, number two is Nope, uh, which I'm still hurt that didn't get a single nomination from the Oscars. Not surprised, but also a Shonda. <laughs> And uh, so that makes number one, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. So no big shocker for that one. But uh, (laughs) I think it's sweep of the awards, uh, both Oscars and mine, uh, are all warranted. So uh, that's it's been a great year for movies. Check us out on Letterboxd. I know I have my years ranked, all 75 movies that I've seen. Um, you've, uh, I think you said you saw 39 this year. 39 so far. 39. So if you yeah, go on Letterboxd, I've got a public for, list uh, as well. Yeah. Sigmund Lamar on Letterboxd. And I'm Siggy Lama. Steel. I'm Siggy Lama. Oh, excuse Lama. me. Siggy Lama. my stage name. And I am, uh, Carney of Steel. Uh, check them out. Um, and, and, uh, see our joy. Yeah. See so that's what, what our, this is. Worst movie of the year was on our list. Mine was Blonde. Mine was Uncharted. Oh, really? People liked that one. Really bad. It's just, it's just, it's just what it is. You know, it's not real. I didn't really see any turds this year. Okay. Which is good. I mean, Ticket to Paradise was pretty bad. (laughs) A lot of wasted potential there. And I wasn't too. But my lowest yeah, ranked movies are, <laughs> are 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 the Batman Ticket to Paradise and and Uncharted. See, I, I liked the Batman. Well, though the second act is did. pretty terrible. There's an hour. There's like a wasted hour in the Batman, which is pretty bad. You've you've made me feel better. You've made me like the Batman a little bit more from your discussion. I loved the third me. act yeah. of Batman. And yeah, if we were doing a sound category, it. my favorite sound in a movie this year was the Batmobile starting up. In the alley. <laughs> I do um um I do think it would be a better movie if it, I would probably like it a lot more if it was called Teen Batman. <laughs> I, then I'm all then it makes total sense. Teen Batman. I like it. Just like they should have called it Old Beach. <laughs> Yes, old beach teen Batman. We, <laughs> let's get a 
Let's get a uh, campaign going to rename these movies with better titles. <laughs> ah, well, that was a pretty good year. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us on this marathon. Let us know how yeah, you awarded it and how we awarded it wrong. You can email us at youwatchedwrong at happypanic.net. Um, we still have Twitter accounts. All the cool Twitter mm-hmm. film people seem to have left <laughs> Twitter. Like, you know, or maybe just like the algorithm sucks now, but like after the Oscars or it during really the Oscars, does. I was expecting, you know, it used to be you'd get all sorts of fun, witty observations and banter on Twitter during these things. Mm-hmm. And there's just nothing. Yeah. It's just like, it's everyone's gone. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. No one wants their, no one wants their feed filled. The people get, you know, there's there's an argument to be made like oh get out of your holes and I mean get out of your get off your block and like get out of your little bubbles and start hearing what everyone else says but on Twitter you've curated a community perp with purpose so why would we want people <laughs> not of that community to talk to yeah so yeah yeah thing about social media is that you spend most of your social time with people yeah. you know already. Yeah, exactly. And meeting people is like its want... own thing. Right, exactly. Two different things. Anyway, well, we're still on there anyway if you want to uh, talk to us. Or send us an email at youwatcheditwrong at happypanic.net. In case you missed it the first time. Oh, I did miss it the first uh, time. We also have so a Facebook it page, but it, uh, I don't know. I, it's crickets there, whatever. <laughs> So, but our next episode will be resuming our Wacky Race miniseries, so join us for that. Or go back and catch up if you got a late start to the green flag waving. Yep, and we're only halfway through it, so you're coming in at a good time. That's right. <laughs> we're going to start getting to those movies that we started this whole thing for. <laughs> <laughs> So come join us at the Wacky Races. It's a wha- mad, mad, it's a mini, 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 mini series. And if you thought that was too many minis, and if you're the one who put Florence Pugh in that outfit when she's usually stunning, um, and instead had was wearing packing material that she pulled out of an Amazon box over her shorts, you wardrobed it wrong. 